crickets. Hello, everybody. It's your old friends at Monday Madness, and welcome to another episode of the That Was Liquid Football podcast. I'm joined as ever by my good colleagues, Neil and Burkbot, to run down the weird and wonderful world of football. Well, mostly VAR, to be honest with you. That's been mostly what's been going on. But football no, has no, been you were going to talk thing. about VAR because VAR has been quite literally, and I mean very much literally, boiling the piss in your bladder. It has. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not week, alone. I am not alone with that. It's, ju- it's just been VAR. It's not been an entire Thursday of 1-0 matches. It's, <laughs> you know, I think this week has been the worst week of football I've ever experienced. Oh my God. It's not been Manchester United racking up their fifth nil all on the fifth nil all on the draw. What the absolute fuck. Um, so yeah, like you do you, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, to be fair, like again, we, we actually have quite a diverse podcast because like if we were to review the Premier League, we'll go, well, Palace were shit. They were shit. They were shit. Everyone was shit. Man City have won the title. Let's move on. And yeah, that would much, be our yeah. podcast. So we're I'd, I'd say, right, I'm like, I suppose we've been saying this in the last couple of podcasts, but I mean, they've racked up their 21st win on the trot in all competitions. They've won it. They've won it. They've, <laughs> they've yeah. absolutely. I mean, you're playing Chelsea tonight, isn't it? We played them last night. And we lost one. <laughs> It was that forgettable a match, to be fair. I did fall asleep during it. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a match so forgettable, I literally forgot it happened. <laughs> Chelsea have this like impressive ability of making their big matches so dull that people tactically forget about it. Like It's actually quite impressive. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Like Frank Lampard's Chelsea did not make things dull because they were like running around like headless chickens. That was fun. Um, <laughs> That's true. Fair point. But T- Tuckle's tactics are um, boring, so... Yes. Boring and somewhat effective. I yeah. think someone I think someone made this point online. They did like a like whoever's doing like a stats thing where or like a stats comparison, right? They had like the Tuckles pass map, the most common pass map used in that game against Liverpool, and they put it side by side with West Brom, and they are almost identical, apparently. <laughs> the only difference is that like the ball was going towards Werner on like the left side, whereas it with West Brom was going over the top to Diagne, and it's exactly the same. It was fucking surreal. So he's like, basically a foreign big Sam. Yes. <laughs> no, no, you've said it, you've said that wrong. A farting big farting. Sam. <laughs> farting. With his farting voice. You have to get the racism in the back of your throat working. <laughs> yeah. Farting. 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 You have to spit the word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, we, we're not we're not gonna we don't have anything really in depth about the Premier League to talk about. So I'll just let you know how the table looks at the time of the podcast because we're in this kind of like weird and wonderful region where like let's just do double fixtures for the crack just to confuse uh, fantasy football players. But yeah, so, like literally that has been the worst part of it because I captained Barnes who was like gone off after the first game injured and then all my points got ruined and yes, <sighs> more specifically his knee fell off. Which is a shame. Like, it just I went. Mean, we've all been there. Yes, I, maybe I don't know. It, it's actually hard to tell with my leg. But carry on. <laughs> it's difficult to tell which part of your leg is actually dropped off. That's the point. It, it, it's like it, uh, there's a lot of internal compensation going here. I think it might be something wrong with and it just keeps working my way up the leg. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's one of those few kind of places where the red thing is definitely not connected to the yellow thing. No. 
it's a, it's a, it's a rare, <laughs> it's actually a rare. A Dr. Nick's wristwatch in there. Yes. <laughs> actually, no, I found out, I found out it's a rare medical condition called anti-carolitis. Um, it happens <laughs> above a certain height. So yeah, it's a, it's a shame. Yeah, really. but the, the difference there is that like you're injuring yourself just, you know, breathing in and out too difficultly whereas he's injuring himself falling off bar stools in Las Vegas casinos <laughs> after having too many fucking Jaeger bombs I was about to say I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to look, look, look now was there any undiagnosed damage from a bar stool fall and I'm just I'm just trying to check on my physician on that but we'll see anyway. um, so as I said the top four currently stand at the moment as Man City Man United Leicester and Chelsea Man City obviously well ahead of everybody 14 points ahead of their their um, compatriots in Manchester and they're playing this weekend which will be a delightful nil all draw because that's Man United's thing now um, in all fairness I'd actually be kind of, it's one of the few occasions where a nil all draw would be happy because that would break their winning streak yeah exactly and obviously at that point the curse that we'll have put on the team will have taken effect at that point um, <laughs> oh I mean, pure jinx like yes. jinx 100 for fucking cents uh, the only way to be a curse of your own is to just summon another one and just make this a horrific Lovecraftian Premier League as if it wasn't already oh absolutely like, um, we're going to summon another one against Burnley who <laughs> didn't even look like they knew what the round thing at their feet was in their last game I had to laugh at that. I really did because I actually watched that match, and Spurs were grand. They were, they were, they were good. They didn't fuck up basically. But the actual idea was like the commentators were just getting so excited that they had seen a glimpse of the real Gareth Bale. Like, what is the real Gareth Bale? I didn't realize that the fake one was like still there. You know, like a, like a stunt double was playing for them. But here's the thing: like Gareth Bale will look absolutely brilliant if indeed he is completely unmarked with nobody around him in a two mile radius. That's the thing about Gareth Bale and most, I wonder and most players. All along was to lull teams into thinking he was past it, so they just let him have the ball. Like off he goes all the time. You can't. And then he's like, ha, ha, there's no chance. The cold was convincing the world he didn't exist. <laughs> so then he just goes onto the field, and people are like. Who they got on the left? I'm like, they only seem to have one player. Doherty's not gonna Oh fuck yeah, there he is there, look. <laughs> I thought I thought he was on the sidelines. I thought he was playing golf. What a fucker. All right, well, that's our fault. Yeah. Should have put someone there. Anyway. But yes, um uh, again, like so you know that obviously we mentioned there kind of like they've had like four nil all draws in the last six games. Um they are there there was actually uh a result in between then when they beat Newcastle but of course that in essence really is a nil all draw if you're not beating Newcastle what's wrong with you um, but <laughs> nevertheless uh, they are in a bit of a I suppose like they're I suppose the closest to a slump they've had this season if you want to call it that um, and Leicester are kind of in the same boat really they, they've got good performances but they have like nine injuries in the team so bad no, days it's, it's not even really that good performances it's just it's your usual Brendan Rogers, Leicester end game slump they've managed yeah, to yeah. delay it up until this point but it was gonna happen i said it last time it's like they're mm. gonna hit a slump it's brendan rogers they'll dip in the last third and this is it the next 12 games don't look very good for them i mean they yeah, drew up Burnley. yeah you know they drew one all with Burnley. Um, and let's be fair they probably should have lost that game as well like schmeichel was legendary in that game yeah, I was about to say, they drew up Burnley after going behind to Burnley. Mm. Um, so, 
Burnley, who Aubameyang is still in their top 10 scorers of the season. <laughs> solid player for them. He's a solid player for them. And hopefully we'll double his tally <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> you never know. Um, so, yes, I suppose in the chasing pack, so obviously Chelsea have now kind of, as it were, snuck into the top four then after that win against Liverpool. Um, the chasing pack at the moment, if you want to say the actual contenders for top four, will be Everton, who are a point behind and going quite well. Three, uh, three wins uh, on, on that current streak. West Ham are still floating about there a little bit. Still, a great Jesus, West Ham are top four contenders. If that's it's not, if that's not an asterisk for this entire fucking season, I don't know what fucking is. <laughs> it's like quality control. Like, where do you put West Ham on this league table? No, where is it? Like, it's like, uh, else. How useful was this season? Where does West Ham finish? Fifth. Chalk it off. Doesn't exist. Never yeah. happened. It never happened. Just wiker the whole thing. Never happened. Yeah, just just it's fucking right. level the whole fucking thing and just go, we're sorry. Not this time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and, and like I said, they are still somehow in contention. Um, especially considering that like beneath them at the moment is Liverpool, who are... Who, yeah. um, God, they are actually... Oh yeah, if they, if they finish ahead of Liverpool, man. Holy hmm. fuck. Yes, I'm just Finishing ahead to... of Liverpool the season after Liverpool won the league. Yeah. And the way they won the league as oh, well. And the way they won it as well. And, mm. and I think this kind of capitulation of Liverpool is just kind of showcasing how batshit crazy this season is. Yeah. Um, like, I do think it's a bit of player fatigue and uh, things like that creeping in. Um, but, like, you have the squad to rotate and then... I, I, don't, I don't know I, I, yeah. I know we've spoken about Liverpool so much but um, I was watching that match yesterday against Chelsea and I was like obviously that most of the Chelsea matches I've seen this year were Frank Lampard's Chelsea I haven't watched too much Chuckle because it's really boring um, and, and this was a case of like Liverpool like literally their passing was atrocious so like, bad my, so. my coach if like some of those passes into Mane and Salah we're coming from my team. Like, we would have been subbed off. Like, you know, you tried to do that ridiculous... Like, there was, like, one point where I can't think who it was in midfield. Was it Jones? Tried to, like, do, like, a lob chip pass um, to Mane. And Mane's mm. first touch actually was just... Oh, no, he missed it. He missed it. Completely yeah, missed he, it. Yeah, he air-kicked it. Yeah, it was... Uh, I think it was Trent that whipped it in. Because Trent oh, right, tends okay. to pick up all over the top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, it, like... It, it would just like look like something like he was just like, oh, look at this type of pass I have in my range. Like, am I so great? And, you know, it, that first thing was it did nothing. And then Manny air kicked it. And like, that would have been a case where my football coach would have been like, you're off. That was ridiculous. Get off my pitch. Show <laughs> <boy."> <laughs> Make your own way home. Fuck you. Is <laughs> your football coach Tony Pulis? Because, I mean, sounds very familiar, like. But um, yeah, like it's it's it is as you said, it's a kind of a bit of everything now at this stage, and uh, and it's not getting any better. No, really I, I, every time they play and every time they watch it, I'm just channeling Zach Gibson, and all he can do is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he must be delighted he's in fucking Florida at the moment because he was. Yeah, been this incredibly scouse. You are yeah. a fool. You are a fool of Manchester. <laughs> and the, the, the weird thing is, I, again, like the, this team is not getting any better. And like, I don't see it, at least for as, in terms of league form, like I don't see us getting top four. I think that is like, if you're reading the room and you're seeing how the teams are performing ahead of you, like the likes of Chelsea, the likes of Everton, it's very hard to catch up now. 
how deflating must it be to look at the table like, fuck, David Moyes is the head of us. But that's I'm not going to get in ahead of Everton. But, but that's the thing. Like, it, it, but it's like the, <laughs> the most solution to that. pointless you know? team that <laughs> ever exists. And I'm going, like, that's basically like losing out the thin air. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you have lost to a broom. You must now like relinquish your football. Exactly, path. yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, th- th- that's the thing. Like, it's, it is the case of where like, it almost seems like everything that can go wrong has gone wrong and everything that we're trying to make it to try and fix that is just not working. Like nothing is actually working at this point. You know, the signings we've made outside of like Jota has been great, obviously when he was coming in, but Thiago has not made it work. Like Thiago has not, has been a failure at Liverpool at the moment. And I, I don't mind being on the record with that. I have seen nothing from him to justify his place in the squads. I, I'm being perfectly wasn't he honest. Your card in one of the last weeks, wasn't he? Your card last week, wasn't he? Uh, he was. He was. He was my runner up card. I went a different re- pattern. Ah, right. I was like going half an hour in Liverpool at that point, and I needed. I think everyone needed a break at that at that stage. But um, but yeah, he's just not been good <laughs> enough. Like for for a player that we brought him in for, um, he just hasn't been doing it. Now that being said, I think once like we do have the full squad back, I think we'll see what he's there to do with basically to be the playmaker. It's just at the moment he's doing too much and be getting exposed. And you could say the same for most of the Liverpool team, to be honest, they're trying, they, what they're doing, they're trying too hard, but what they're actually trying is not creative enough. It's like, you're just like, it's like brute force. It's like, have you tried tactically tweaking? Have you tried doing something different? But it's not even any tactical tweaking. Like it's just, they're just trying to do all this advanced shit when they can't do the simple shit. Like there yeah. was one, there was one part in that um, match where Alexander Arnold scorches down the fucking wing as he does, mm. and he knocks it to Mane, who's just on the inside of the pitch to him. Now the thing is, is that that was blatantly obvious for a one-two. He's yeah. going to hit it to Mane. Mane's going to hit it back, and then Mane should run, and then he's going to hit it in. It's a one-two, one-two. But Manny just Manny takes the initial pass, hits it back to Trent, and then just doesn't move. move <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and Trent winds up like running like seven yards and crossing into a box that has literally no Liverpool players in it. Because he can't at that point he's like oh, I've got nothing else here, lad. Like nobody's yeah. running with me. One person I passed the ball to to do a one-two with hasn't actually fucking run for the return ball, so I can't mm. pass it to him. There's nobody in the box. What do you want me to do? So he just goes and fucking just slings a ball into literally nobody. I think yeah. he, he, he tries to make out that he went, went for like Salah at the far rear corner of the box, which is... <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> when you consider that Salah was hooked on 62 minutes uh, <laughs> and was not happy about it. And uh, should he yeah, be. That's... It wasn't good enough. The whole team haven't been good enough. Like this is the this is the trouble we have like at this point where like we, we are fielding the same team each time, and that's obviously because we have a lack of options. But here's the thing: we loaned out Minamino, we loaned out Elliot, we loaned out Wilson. These are players we could have used as just like an alternative, a plan B. Um, even when we had like Those two guys you bought him. The Simicast hasn't featured because Robertson has been our best player all season, you know. Um, and Jota, oh, the two guys you bought in the Christmas thing, the oh, uh, Kabak and Davies, yeah, like Davies, yeah. Well, Kabak's, Kabak's been decent, he's actually been all right, actually. I do, I do like Kabak. The problem is that he's just getting exposed way too much, and that's because of whoever he's up against or with Allison just fucking yeeting him out of the fucking air, you know. So, like, <laughs> you know, it's just like it, it's whatever. That was it, so it, fucking gas. Oh, I've, I've, I've had so many seen. friends. 
had so many friends pinging me about that going, right, who's at fault there, Neil? What do you reckon? I was like, well, it depends on who's, it depends on if he's called for it or not. Like, because if if he's called for it, then Quebec's in the wrong because he's way Mm. in the way of his goalkeeper. But, and this is a very real possibility given how Alisson has been recently, there's a very high chance that Alisson has not called for it. Oh, no, and no, that's it's decided, all Alisson, yeah. And it's just and, and, decided yeah. to fucking <laughs> drill master his own fucking defender out of it yeah. without telling him. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, it, and, <laughs> like, and kind of like take, even outside of football, like Alisson's not been having... Uh, a good time and obviously like the whole like club just like it's it's the kind of thing where like it's it is a case of where like it's just such a sad season like everything around Liverpool has been awful you know from injuries to personal um, grievances and so forth and just everything has gone wrong like yeah. there's, there's 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 very little out of the season you're going to take as a positive if anything there's nothing really bar Jota being there that that's the only positive I could think of really out of this team because everything about the season has been awful and in a weird way, like if if we even write off the season, I wouldn't fucking mind. Like, okay, like get, who cares about the league? Like, just just fucking just consolidate and and regroup and try again next year. Like, I was even saying this, making this point to other people. I think what this team needs is just less games. They need a break. And even with the European Championships, we don't have with the injuries. I don't think we'll have that many people going. Um. But even then, like just this whole team as a as a club, they just need a break. Even the coach, I think, probably themselves needs a break. I also think the team needs refreshing. I think a lot of that yeah. team needs to be cleared out. And I think the funny thing is, is that Klopp is in this position for probably the first time in his career, which is mm. odd in that he that Dortmund and all this other kind of thing. He had other teams to do that for him. He had like Bayern, he had Barcelona, he had Real Madrid. That when he got players, yeah, when he got players to their fucking peak, these other teams would come in and swipe them. Whereas at Liverpool, he's got players who are now into their donkey years. Yeah. And he's like, who, why are people, why is nobody buying half my team? And they're going, well, mostly none of them have any cash. And secondly, Mm. you're Liverpool and nobody's going to buy a peak an elite tier player off of you because look what happened with fucking Barcelona. They're still exactly. paying you back for Coutinho. You know that, that, that's the trouble we have now is because like if you were to say like and this is it's going to be the room it's going to be the the way the nature of the transfer talk for the next few months is like what happens to Liverpool and how we can whatever to rebuild and whatever it is. But like you raise a very valid point. Like when Alden's still holding out doesn't doesn't know himself what he wants to do. Like. Barca supposedly have an offer, but I, the thing is, is I think he was, I think he was dead set on Barcelona. Yeah, and Barcelona, Barcelona, and he's like, yeah, yeah exactly. I think, I think that I think I don't think he realised how bad it was at Barcelona, mm. and I'm going to kind of lean into a bit of the idiotic, dumb footballer stereotype, in that yes. he just kind of thought, oh, it's the pandemic hitting Barcelona, and then everything came out and even somebody as fucking stupid as somebody who kicks a ball for a living um, <laughs> can look at Barcelona and go, this is not a place I want to go to. Yeah. You know, yeah. when they can't even get three million together for Eric Garcia and then asking him to play for free. And he's going like, hang on, am I talking about a different Barcelona? And then people are like, yes, yes, you are talking about a different Barcelona. You're talking about the Barcelona from like seven years ago. <laughs> what that's, you need, that's kind of you, where we are at now. That's what they think. You go, Gigi, what, like you, 
Gigi, what you need is not a transfer. What you need is a fucking time machine. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right it, like, you're absolutely right you were just saying because like yeah. that's the rea- that's the reality all around Europe as well like Real Madrid don't have the money but they're not as much of a basket case as Barca well they're not they're, they don't have the money but they're like still like heavily in debt and they're yes. loaning out everybody and yeah it's just it's just really fucking weird and that mm. Zidane seems to be on like a the war path with his own players yeah. like he's just alienating so every funny. fucking body like yeah so when you so when I you make the point that about like what it, yeah yeah <laughs> so, like so when you make that point about like the kind of rebuild the thing is like we are when you do read the room and you realize these there's nowhere really to sell these players onto and if you are you're not going to get the markup you want you know because like okay let's face it, like the likes of Origi and Shakiri and Ox they're probably going this season and probably perhaps they're, that's their they've run their course in that, in that team for that and do you think the 35 million you paid for Ox has been worth it <laughs> oh that's a good question um, in all fairness not? I, no. I just I just go back I go back to that video clip that went around Twitter the day the week we sold him remember because we played Liverpool and then sold him to Liverpool hmm. and there was a kind of this is if this is what 40 million euros is worth, I want no part of it. And it's, it's it, remember, it's the one, you, it's your man who's basically, he's just doing a highlight reel of all of the lack of effort that Ox has put in in that game. And he's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> look, oh, is he going to run? He's going to run? <laughs> you know, that's the type of thing. Yeah. I, and I just go back to that fucking video clip. If you think he's been worth it, you are provably wrong provably wrong the only way he turns out to be worth the 35 million pounds 40 million euros that you paid for him is if you can sell him on to some other fucking sucker for more money than that mm. which we won't <laughs> at this point exactly like, no. the, the only way you can do that is like no you're just not going to do that that's the question they have to ask themselves is like who do we who can we not only is a case of like uh, who can we get rid of but who can we actually actively get in that will bet that will make the squad different and that's the kind of the, the problem because I think Liverpool as a whole are in a bit of a sticker twist situation with the squad you know like they, I think they, for what it's worth I think Jota was a very good signing but obviously with the injury wasn't able to kind of show exactly what he needs but oh no Jota's, yeah. Jota's going to be a fantastic player for you yes. he's going to be and an I, absolutely I, I, fantastic player for you um, it's not him that you should be worried about sometimes players ha- and sometimes injuries just, it just happens like, look a yeah. party for us nobody's nobody's denying that Thomas Party is not a fantastic signing for Arsenal nobody's denying that Arsenal should be fucking over the goddamn moon uh, that we got him but has he done a lot this season no he hasn't because he's been injured and people go yeah look shit like that happens he's going from a league that's not that intensive he's being asked to do a slightly different role um, than what he did for Atletico. Now, the role he's being asked to do with Arsenal is a role he's always wanted to do. Oh, so, yeah. hence why he's not disgruntled that he's been asked to be do. He is asked being being asked to do something new. It's what he, but he's what he's always wanted to do. The thing is with Simeone, he wasn't allowed to do it. Yeah, like bed him in, just give it time, give him a season, like fucking a bit of patience. So nobody's there with that, but. <laughs> And it's similar with Jota. I don't like people writing Jota off now. They're fucking nuts. Give him a season no, or two. No, 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 He's gonna no. come good. He will come good. Yeah. The thing is, is that Origi not gonna come good. Shaq never really did. Um, Ox. Fuck Ox. My God. Like 
just my cars. What? <laughs> but you know, but you know, the, the, what really annoys me about it is that, like, I, I don't know if it's because of Klopp being stubborn or just trying to make it work, but the lack of rotation is really annoying me, especially in the midfield. You know, like, yeah, that's, that's quite a- curious. For somebody who was arguing for the five sub rule constantly yeah. and actually giving out about other teams voting it down, he doesn't seem to use all three subs that fucking often. No, and I don't <laughs> like, understand why. I really, really don't. It's actually it has annoyed me a lot in this part of, in this part of the season where okay, we we faced Sheffield United there midweek, right, and we won two 0 Fair enough. But we played more or less the exact same team against Chelsea, bar the, a goalkeeper and Fabinho back in defence. Now. Call me silly, but like that Sheffield United game could have been a great chance to get Davies in for his debut, get Keita on the ball, like for like 90 minutes, not just half an hour, 90 minutes, get Shaq, Shakiri, Ox, get these players on and let them try something different. But the yeah. reality is he just wants those those players like Salah, Mane and Firmino to start clicking and firing. But so the reality is you've given them enough games to do that and they haven't done it. So they've always done the wrong with them. Arsenal, Arteta keeps putting them on and it keeps giving nothing. Mm. Uh, and we should kill him. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. It's like but okay. No, um, no, I just do not rate him as a player. And even though he got an assist and a half in the last game, <laughs> assist and a half being two assists, and much like in the Fulham game, uh, is a technicality was a technicality away from getting the full hat trick of assists. Yeah. Um, yeah. because he. Look, be fair to him, he did assist in all three goals in both those games. But then again, those two games, they're not back-to-back. They're the entire season apart. <laughs> <You know? laughs> in between those two games, it's just this blank void where there should be assists. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, you mentioned Arsenal, so that's a good way of kind of jumping into like the next part of the table. In, so in much as- the same way. Like, in much the same way when you t- you're, you're talking like there's a lack of rotation. Yeah. I kind of seem something similar in that Arteta kind of seems to fall in and out of love with the youth players. Like, mm. what the fuck has Martinelli done not to be able to get on the pitch? Like, uh, we we play, we basically drilled Leicester 3-1 and he brought on Aubameyang for the last eight minutes of normal time. Aubameyang wound up playing like 12 minutes. And I'm going like, the match was pretty much put to bed 15 minutes before that. Bring on Martinelli. Mm. Like... <laughs> I, I, I was reading a thing that um, his injury and the fact that he's had a couple of knocks since coming back, they're trying to mind him a bit more. Yeah. Now, I agree. I agree. That would have been, I felt that was a good time for him to come on, get a couple of minutes under his belt. Playing a high-intensity team that Leicester are, um, it, and he's, he's such a high-intensity player. Um, but I, yeah, I think it is to do with kind of player management. But then um, again, but if it is due to player management, leave him out of the squad altogether. I mean, Enketia is not even in the squad anymore. That's what odd. The fuck? I, I feel, I feel like the likes of Nelson and, uh, and Nelson as well. Yeah, Jesus Christ. And Enketia have done something that the club are, you know, internally dealing with. Like I. Yeah. Think that's only reason I can think that they're not getting into the squad is that there's something like I do know the two of them were involved in an Instagram live I don't know if you had heard this yes I remember that yeah it was Probably like a break. time um, they were on an Instagram live and someone jumped in and asked a question on um, oh, I can't remember what the, it was a question basically about the clover like what, what's happened with what what has Reese done to get knocked out of the squad? Um, <laughs> uh, and then 
some other friend who's not a footballer, who's not known, jumped in and started explaining and they cut the Instagram live. <laughs> um, Ooh, that's odd. So, like, there was a lot of kind of conspiracy theories, but I, like, I, since then, I've um, been, like, Nelson has dropped out of the squad. He's playing for the under-23s. Um, and Enketia has been an unused sub, like, pretty much ever since. Now, he played mm. in the Southampton game, didn't he, in the FA Cup, which he got knocked out of. And yeah. he, he wasn't great. Like, he really wasn't good then. Um, so, yeah, I feel like there's something disciplinary in the background happening there and yeah. that we're just not really being made aware of. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I suppose... Yeah, no, it no. It perhaps there perhaps is more like legs to that than uh, than than uh, than's being let on. So yeah, so Arsenal again, you're kind of you're still kind of uh, in the top ten, which is nice. Um, but again, you're not quite getting the. Yeah, you, you weren't too bad now in the, since the last time we spoke because you had the game against Man City and it was a fairly like tame affair, and then you had the, the a good result against Leicester, and um, and now you're up against Burnley tomorrow. So like it's it's it is the kind of story of Arsenal season in that like you're. Playing good sometimes, and then just sometimes it's just not it's just not happening, and and you'll try again like, next week. Like the, uh, yeah, no, it's it's like we're playing better football, and overall the game plans seem to be like a bit more coherent, um, yes. and the players seem to be like clued in. But it is these moments of madness which have kind of been the, the downfall of Arsenal over the past few years, and we've been able to attribute them to moments of madness to individual players like Mustafi mm. and Mustafi and maybe Xhaka and then Mustafi. Um, David Louise. But yeah, and now David Louise is like, ah, I see what Mustafi did. I'm gonna like do that as well. And you know, it's gonna be great. Um watch, yeah, watch, no, watch like, this it guys, is, it's, it's gonna it's, freak you out. I'm gonna slice the ball into my own net. Whilst also taking out their lead attacker, conceding a penalty. And unbelievably, yeah. the ref is gonna actually give the goal, send me off, and then give them a penalty for the second goal. <laughs> so egregious was my tackle. They're gonna look at it and just go, "Yeah, let's give another penalty because we're watching it again." So it's like it's happening again. Got like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's tell Leto play. that if he saves the penalty, he's gonna get sent off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David Louise, banter king, lads. He really is. Oh he's man, really... he's pure That'd fucking bants. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's mad. Like our players individually are getting a lot better. But the mm. team seems to still not be really. It's just the team will just click, and then you've got this kind of glorious moment where you're like, "Oh, this is what this team. This is what this team can do." It's a perfect blend of old, really cagey, excellent veterans, and supremely energetic, wildly talented youngsters. Mm. You know, Saka in particular. Saka is just fucking brilliant like Saka's just obscenely good Saka's one of those fucking footballers that's so good it kind of makes me a bit annoyed mm-hmm. um, <laughs> like he's just really fucking good like in particular his cross for the third goal against Leicester yeah. holy mother fuck like he literally put that right in the tempons for Aubameyang you give the ball to Aubameyang at the back post he just don't miss um, uh, so yeah it's just but then you see some of the decisions with like playing William at any stage of the game <laughs> just sends people into a fucking like spin. It, it, Honestly, like we could be like 7-0 up with a minute to go 
and Arteta could bring on Willian and there would still be a load of Arsenal fans who'd go, this match is garbage. This is fuck. He's just pissed on my chips. <laughs> fuck this. You know, like... I believe, he, I believe he literally would think that he would, he would somehow manage to slam home eight on goals. Mm. Uh, but it's it's just... It's fucking mental. Like, But you just... Some of the the thing is is that some of the decision making isn't really clear. Why is yeah. why is William getting in ahead of Martinelli? Because it's very obvious William is not the future at Arsenal. Martinelli is, mm. you know. Um, it's very obvious that uh, almost certainly Odegaard is isn't the future at Arsenal unless like he really gets into North London life, um, like Hector, like Hector Bellerin style. I was gonna say like Hecky Bell. Yeah, you bow. Oh, you're off at Ali Pali, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, get him into darts or some shit like that. Darts. That might be a good song. Yeah, get him into playing darts or some shit like that, you know? And it's it's just fucking, it's just mental. I don't know what's, it's weird. We're, we've not shook off the ability to f- uh, follow up every single step forward with a shuffle back. Yeah. Mm. Um, And it's horrible because a we look like we're about to get into a run of really good form. The team really does seem to be clicking. William even seems to be actually good. I mean, like he in the Leicester game, he looked like somebody had actually introduced him to the concept of sprinting. Mm. Um, it, it was bizarre because he was completely at fault. And like I know Jacka was also involved in Leicester's early goal, where the two of them tried to pass to each other. Who the most uncertain close contact passers in the team? I would like. William yeah. has mad stats of being like, you know, oh, he's got great pass completion rates because they're always going backwards. But like Jacka was trying to push him to go forwards. And he's like, no. And he tried to pass it back to Jacka, who's like, no, I didn't want the ball. I don't have the ability and the agility to turn this quickly. Ah, oh, for fuck's sake. And then the ball is like... Jacka's <laughs> like, move up and I'll pass you the ball. And William's like, no, because you've done this before. If I move up, you won't pass the ball to me. Everybody does this. I know what people are doing. The only way I'm going to get the ball off one of my own teammates is if I'm within four yards. <laughs> you know? Uh, and that's, that's just it. Like, uh, it's fucking it's it's awful like um but yeah the, it, it, it's just the unpredictability like a few years ago when we had arsenal and it was like like the the 2011 2012 year arsenal where we would pass rings around teams and then get mm. beaten by an own goal where the team didn't even have a shot on target yeah um, i'm like uh, no i like i just can't get over the 2-1 loss to manchester united when they had one shot on target yeah yeah <laughs> you know like and that wasn't even the first time that had happened. You're just like, who, who, what? Like, but like, we're, we're, gone past, we're gone past that kind of predictability that we're going to go in and we're going to pass around teams and we're going to cut through them occasionally and then we're going to get beaten on the counter-attack. Because uh, we'll have like, fucked up. Which also are turning up. The ones that like can't remember how to pass or the ones that actually have a football brain switched on. And then, As it turns out, both are. Both have showed <laughs> up, and they're flip flopping on the pitch. Because yeah. when you look at the, the you look at the Benfica games, both of the Benfica games and the Leicester game, their only attacks like we had those teams shut down. We had them completely closed out. We had them totally dominated. All of their goals and all of their pieces of danger came from us fucking it. Yeah, you know. Sabayos so racked up two lovely assists for Benfica in the last game. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were brilliant games. Oh, they were brilliant assists. 
Um, for the other team. Oh, for the other team. And it's just like, like you, you look at that Leicester goal in the last team, I'm like, who was it? It was Tielemans who ran like nearly 40 yards mm. from the halfway line into the box. And like, no, no. not only did nobody put a tackle in, there wasn't an Arsenal player within five yards of him until he got into the box when everybody thought he was going to he was going to try and square it for Vardy. Because I saw people giving shit to Pablo Marie. It's like, why didn't Marie go out and close him down? And people, I was like, see the player behind Marie? Marie alone! <laughs> but um, before, <laughs> before Burpock goes fucking full fandom on us, I was yes. like, yeah, see the see Dan. the player in the replay behind Mary, right? That's Jamie Vardy. And he's making a run and he kind of has to pick him up because he's a defender. <laughs> you know? yes. He's like, also Jamie you, fucking Vardy. Exactly. If you can you imagine the fucking tirade if Mary had come out <laughs> to T Elements, yeah. leaving Vardy alone to run in straight through in the middle, like right dead center of the middle of the box on his own. And that was a simple ball for T Elements. Can you imagine the fucking tirade? It's like, no, yeah. he stuck with the man that he was marking and nobody just expected T Elements just to smash it in off the far post. And, and can I just say, Tierney was nowhere to be seen. T Elements ran down the left flank uh, or like where Tierney should have been. Yeah. Um, Tierney wasn't there. Now, Tierney had gone on the overlap on the, uh, you know, in the attacking mm-hmm. end and then William and Xhaka forgot how to you know, pass and communicate. Uh, but he was caught completely out of no man's land. And Tierney's not getting shit for that. Uh, and because, why should he? Because he was trying to do his job. It was someone else who fucked it up. Yeah, if Hickey yeah. Bell had done the exact oh, same thing. The hate, the hate for, for Bellerin, uh, I'm not getting it at all. Is it simply, I think it's, because uh, uh, I look at these people and I go, are you, are, do you criticise him because he's just not as good as Tierney? You know, he's not running with the butt. He's not running thirty-five yards and hocking it into the top corner, like because he's never been that kind of player. Like, but yeah. even then, he scored like two goals this season, and yeah. they've been fairly decent goals. Um, I think they find him attractive, and that makes them angry. He, he, I, say, he is, I, I think he's quite like, threateningly attractive to yeah. like it, an unconfident man. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I think what's happening is I think there's a hidden level of gammon in the Arsenal fan base, and because Bellerin is level. Like, yeah, no, like wherever you think in, it in is, the same way Cthulhu is. hides in a fucking Lovecraft novel. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, you know it's there, but you know how much of it is there. You know, it, it's, it's just got tentacles. It's like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like a door in Arsenal fandom where it's like a little tentacle just tickling out every now and then, just trying to grab somebody. It's like, like I, think, I think this when you see like the you see how much like how nice his politics is. Now he wants to like save the planet and stuff like that. It's like fuck you, Hector Bellerin, for saving trees. You should be crossing the ball and winning the Premier League. Gammon, gammon, gammon. Like, how dare you have interests outside of football? Though that means you have a career when you finish football. And yeah. like I've I've just watched his um. De- I know we've gone completely over time on this Premier That's League. Really- I do want to <laughs> I do want to mention that like. Um, I've watched his ACL uh, recovery. Um, oh yeah, it's brilliant. It's so good. But like he mentions that he loves fashion and that he's oh like his mom and his grandma like live like work in a you know clothes factory and he's grown mm. up with like designing clothes all his life. And um, it's like yeah, he's gone in like he doesn't think like I can't imagine he's gonna go into coaching or he's gonna go into anything like that. Like he's gonna have a completely side mission. And it like it's good to see that there's other options out there for 
for footballers. No, and no, I, never mind. But like, it's, it's not as if he's the only Arsenal player to ever get. He's not even the only Arsenal player to ever get in the fashion. Don't everybody remember Young Youngberg on a gigantic fucking billboard in his jocks? How did you forget that? Or Giroud? <laughs> or Giroud? Exactly. How many? Paddy Power made an entire joke ad about how fast he could turn a heterosexual man. <laughs> 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 no, and now here he is. He's rocketing home fucking overhead kicks for Chelsea. <laughs> sure. Yes. Anyway, every yes. goal is like a dagger to my heart. Indeed. Um, so yes. As are the rest of the teams below us. Anyway, let's move on to talk about something else. Yes, do yeah. In fairness, the the bottom of the league has not really has not changed that much. Um, Fulham's a sliver so slightly closer to Newcastle and uh, Brighton actually because they're both on twenty six. Um, serious question, lad. Do you think Fulham could survive? No. Okay. In all fairness, depends on like Newcastle are you know I mean like, we'll we'll get a, a wee bit onto Newcastle and traitor gay. Um, <laughs> But, uh, I, I am Steve Bruce Maximus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, tell you what, Bruce is fucking raking in the material for his latest novel. Yeah, but um, you look at the table, right? Fulham are twenty three points. They're only three away from either Brighton and Newcastle. Yeah, both those teams don't really look like they're gonna pick up another fucking win, let alone a draw. Bear in mind yeah. that we are facing them. There, we are facing them at home, like this weekend. Fulham mm-hmm. could very well beat because they Fulham are trying. They are really fucking trying, and they gave us a damn good game at Craven Cottage. They could easily beat us at home, and they could be on joint points with Newcastle and Brighton. You know, like I'm not Again, really without. And as I, said, as I said a couple of podcasts ago, Burnley's lack of fucking goals is really starting yeah. to hurt them. And they're only oh, no, Neil. You've just said that before they play us. Look, hang on, right? We got into <laughs> how like Burnley were decimated by fucking um, spores. Then they drew one all with Leicester. They're going to look like 1970s Brazil against us, right? That's how it's going to fuck. It's how it's always been. It's how it's always fucking been. I just have you this know? horrible mental image of Chris Wood with the Ronaldo haircut, and it really upsets me <laughs> that you put that in my head. The fact oh, that, like, somehow look like Cafu. In my future. Uh, <laughs> no, please not. Fucking Karen Karen Restwood is going to morph into fucking peak Ronaldinho. <laughs> Teeth and all. <laughs> <laughs> Teeth and Paraguayan parole record and all. <laughs> That's it. He's going to fucking he's gonna manage to do that weird kind of backward step over that Ronaldinho used to do that always beat everybody. Yes. Um and he, that he could do a full speed somehow. Uh but yeah, like it's just the teams above them, like they are all suffering now. Yeah, it just depends. If Fulham could, if Fulham only need to string together two wins. That's how fucking tense this is. They only mm. need to string together two wins, and then they're potentially jumping over Southampton. Yes, Chris and like Southampton are free falling. Like, <laughs> like I can't believe how far, how quick, how like, how serious this season's becoming for Southampton. Like they are, they're in danger. Like they, they were yeah. doing, they were. It's like at Christmas, like it's it's in- extraordinary how far they've fallen. It's I, I can't get over it. I really can't. Yeah, they're they're fucking hemorrhaging points now. It's um, just the defending. I don't know what's happened to their defense. It's just so 
there's no structure, there's no backbone to it, and I don't understand how. Because like up, for, like attacking wise, they're very good, and Minamino has been damn fucking sneaky for them. Like, like I'm reminded of the Chelsea, of the goal against Chelsea, where he seems to have like five minutes to decide where he wants to place it, and he decides to do with with the maximum smugness to roll it under Mendy. It's like you cheeky fucker. Why couldn't you do that for us? Oh wait, we never never played you. Yeah, he he's be on the pitch to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. But that's just it. I mean, like you even have like Hassel Hassenhuttle is saying that like after the Leeds game when he got fucking tanked, hmm. um, he's just said like, oh yeah, the, the team just gave up. Yeah, I was like, that's what it looks okay, like. Okay, that's, that's what it looks like. like yeah. And I, I was like, just in this game, I mean, <laughs> they somehow managed they somehow managed to hold Chelsea to a one all draw. Yeah, but they've lost every other game. Like they've been. Garbage. Yeah, They've been very absolute bad. fucking garbage. And like I said, like they do kind of need, they need to win faster than uh, as quick as they can because like they are. If Fulham do pick up that run and like Fulham have a, have a decent record at the moment, like they're not the worst. And Bromley probably too much ground to get to to kind of really catch up in earnest. So like Fulham are are a threat to them, you know. And especially considering that Newcastle are missing their three actual strikers. They're you know the three forwards that matter. They're all out. Now until potentially April, so the only, I think the only option that Steve Bruce actually has to attack is to bring his son in and like retrain him as a number nine because you know like that's basically the only, or maybe he can bring Duffy in from his novel. You know, Duffy was a very good striker before he got stabbed in the back by the IRA, so you know it, it's always possible. And <laughs> um, that's the league table as it stands. So I will uh, let you know how VAR wars have been going on because I don't know if you've noticed, lads, it's been fucking busy in VAR wars. <laughs> So I'll let you know anyway how it started. So let's begin with uh, our match day 25. So a bit of action to tell you about. First of all, um, positive points for uh, West Ham, first of all. This was the uh, Lingard goal that was VAR approved after it was initially called for offside. Uh, that ended up being the winning goal against Spurs in the end. Uh, the other positive was from the Merseyside derby. And I really can't believe this is a positive because uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was uh, given a penalty after he fell over Trent Alexander-Arnold. And because Trent had his leg up and Calvert fell over it, they gave that as a penalty. But here's the thing. The VAR was not to check that it was a penalty because the referee was happy with that. It was a check if it was a red card for Trent. I just... This is, this is why I'm talking about referees later on because they've really got on my tits in the last week. Um, but nevertheless, it's a point to Everton in that regard. The other uh, action from that match day was uh, West Brom, which is a minus one. And that was uh, Sammy Ijayi getting sent off for handball, uh, denying a goal-scoring opportunity from the halfway line. So, well done, VAR, I guess. Um, there is other action from one of the bonus games you had over the weekend. That was uh, a minus one for Southampton. Uh, this was the penalty overruled uh, by VAR because they obviously saw the dive from Teller, which was a pretty fucking bad dive, to be honest with you, mate. No, it was. It was kind of like... But if Pogba had done it, it would have been okay. Well, if Pogba had done it, he would have given Graeme Sinesa coronary. So, like, I don't know if that's a positive or negative, depending on your point of view. And so then uh, from match day 26, uh, which was some of our midweek games as well, uh, we had quite a lot of action, really, in a weird way, but they all kind of cancelled each other out. Uh, Minus one star, first off for Everton. Uh, That was a Michael Keane goal ruled out for offside. Now, let's talk about Arsenal, shall we? So, they um, started off with the... uh, the penalty that Pepe had, which was eventually yeah. uh, reduced to a uh, free kick outside the box, which yeah. you guys actually scored yeah. from. Yeah. Which was good. 
And then after that, then we had the uh, we had a handball then from Ndidi, which gave uh, Arsenal a penalty. So it all cancelled out in the end. So you, you don't earn anything from that, but you know, the VAR give it and VAR take it away. And uh, <laughs> boy, was that ever appropriate for Brighton. Um, so. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. So the boring part out of the way first, they did actually earn a point um, earlier in the game when they had, gave, they had a penalty uh, given to them after OK Yashoglu, which is a great name, um, he handballed with a delightful Superman punch in the, uh, in the box. It was more, it was ball to hand, but his hand was up in the air, so he was making his yeah. body bigger. So that was given, uh, to which uh, Pascal Groves uh, dutifully hit the crossbar with. So good job there. And then we had the Lewis Dunk situation, um, where he took the free kick. <laughs> Will we call this like the whistle? Will we call this Whistlegate? Because there's a lot of scandals lately. I, I, don't, think see it, see, I don't see what this has got to do with VAR, really. I think this is just Mason having a fucking psychotic breakdown. Oh, yeah, no, like, VAR actually saves his bacon here. VAR <laughs> it's actually does thing. save his bacon yeah. because I don't understand what it is because Dunk seems to, Dunk asks him, can I take the free kick? Hmm. And Mason just goes, he just blows his whistle. Yeah. And he takes it. <laughs> now, well, as to whether or not he was telling Dunk, yeah, you can go ahead and take the free kick, or he was trying to sort out a bit of argy-bargy in the wall and decided to do that by blowing his whistle. Because he'll hear that. I don't know. So as the ball's going in, he's like, oh, I kind of didn't want you to do that, then blows it again. <laughs> then... But when the ball goes in, he's like, oh, wait, but how is he meant to know that I didn't want him to do that? Because all I did was blow a whistle. So I'm going to give the goal, (laughs) having disallowed it. And then VAR has to go, no, you you, you blew the whistle a second on before it went in. So it can't actually stand. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So that's the way I'm feeding on the spreadsheet. It is a minus one uh, for Brighton and Nascar. The goal was rescinded in a sense. So, yeah, it, it does check out that way. Um, and then a lot of action from the midweek games. Um, so first off, the only positive was to Man City, who uh, got a second. Uh, their their second goal for Gabriel Jesus was VAR approved after they they showed that he was actually onside for the when he hit the goal, hit the ball. That was for their last goal in that game, the four one. And then they give it they take it away then for the rest of that uh, week. Then so Sheffield United. Um, Phil Jagielka's tackle on El Ghazi was upgraded to a red card as VAR believes it was a goal-scoring opportunity. I'm not sure why, from 30 yards out and from outside of the box, but never mind. Um, Any player who I've never heard of. (laughs) There are villains quietly tweeting at you right now. Can you hear them? Can you hear them? (laughs) They are standing El Ghazi. uh, Somebody should give uh, Burkbot a call every time there's VAR. You heard this guy? Yeah, send him off. <laughs> Have him eliminated. <laughs> um, After Rolling Stones killed. <laughs> <laughs> Have Connor Horay killed. <laughs> <laughs> So you have um, a minus one then for Chelsea, and that was the uh, team of Werner goal that was ruled out for a very marginal offside. I'm happy to admit that. It probably should have stood, to be honest. Um, like, I feel like it was a hair on his leg was actually offside. It was actually his leg that was offside. So like going by the whole like, you know, the T-shirt rule and what could score a goal. Yeah, it's, it's that. But Robertson was so fucking close to playing him onside. It wasn't even funny. But nevertheless, uh, we got away with one there. Um, didn't really take advantage of it. No, nevertheless, only uh, to concede a goal la- to the, almost the exact same pass over the top. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, if anything that was being those courtiers. You should have had that goal. Here, have another goal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was sportsmanship of us to lose one nil at home again. Good <laughs> time. First time in our history. Anyway, um, and I've said the best to last, lads. The um, the new handball rule has officially relegated Fulham, uh, where Josh Myers equaliser <laughs> for you Spurs. The new handball rule that has been rescinded. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the new old handball rule. New old handball rule. Yes, exactly. So Josh Myers equalises for Fulham, right? Which could potentially save their season uh, against Spurs. And then suddenly they roll back the footage way, way all the way back. And they realized that the ball that the ball touched Mario Lamina's hand, even though it's on his hip, not anywhere near the ball, and it yeah. blasts off of it. It was from a clearance of a Spurs player, and it hits his hand. And a minute later, Maya scores, and they disallowed that. Um what the fuck is wrong with them? Honestly. Like it's it's mad. It, it's what what, what bothers me about it is the sheer amount of time. Yes, it's not. It's not the fact that they judged that to be a handball, or that like that they ruled it out for a handball that egregious. What bothered me was the sheer amount. There was like nearly a minute. I was like, "Hang on." So by this rule, right? Yeah. If a goalkeeper has the ball in his hands, rolls it on the ground, and boots it up to a striker who then scores, does that count as a handball? Mm. <laughs> But it's, it's come. We had that. But we had that. Come out of his hand. It's come out of his hand. Yeah. <laughs> no, somebody has handled the ball. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if the answer to that was yes. Hmm. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, there's been such a level of nitpicking now because of of the imp- implementing of VAR that there is now. You have a situation. They answer it, and then they go back on it. Then six months. In, later. in all fairness, I think that given is that there's that you can't throw the ball as a goalkeeper into the other goal. Like, it might be physically very difficult to do, but if you did it, would it be allowed? I think so, yeah, because you can throw yes. it into your own goal. Yes. Yeah, if you, if you throw it into your own goal, yeah. like if if you... <laughs> there's numerous YouTube clips of goalkeepers completely getting the overarm, the overarm yeah. throw fucking wrong and it bubbles into their own goal and it counts. Yeah. So I think, yeah, if you somehow manage to... In all fairness, now Friedel used to be able to fucking sling the ball and unbelievable. Like he used to be able to get like sixty-five yards. I remember that. Like one of the times, like he caught a corner one time, and managed to throw the ball mm. to the point where the striker was able to latch onto it and score. And I'm going like, he must have thrown that ball. He, he actually threw the ball past the halfway line. It's going, yeah. God yeah. damn. <laughs> I, I'm reminded of the um, of the Peter Enkelman on goal in the Birmingham derby. Yeah. I think he was playing for Villa at the time. And Birmingham, uh, I think the throw, it, it was like the, the Villa player throws the ball to him and he just completely miscontrols it. The ball goes over his foot and rolls in. And it's counted as a Villa on goal from the actual, whoever like made the throw initially. So they treat it as an own goal. So yeah, it does actually happen. Mm. Um, but, they, but it's because they're counting it as throw in as opposed to a handball, which is inter- yeah. like interference, whatever it is. So it's like, they treat it differently as it were. Okay, okay. But uh, yeah, there, there you go. There's a, there's a, yeah, there you have it now. Um, and, and again, no no major changes in VAR Wars. Liverpool still losing minus six. West Brom now minus five. So they're 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 catching up. 
if you want to call it that. And we still have officially no winners of VAR awards. There's like six teams on one point. So literally no one is winning this season when it comes to VAR, <laughs> um, which is a shame. Uh, and they're certainly not winning when it comes to getting sacked because uh, uh, there's been four sackings uh, since we last le- left you on the uh, P45 crew. Um, all lower league um, uh, situations, so we'll breeze through them. Uh, the three of them are in League Two. Uh, Barrow sacked their manager, Michael Jolly, and um, they're currently second last. And he was in the job two months, so hard luck there. Uh, the point there goes to Morecambe. Uh, three days later, Colchester sacked their manager, Steve Ball, uh, two wins in 13 games. That'll fucking do it. And the point goes to Exeter City. And then Leighton Orient sacked um, Ross Embleton after seven defeats in a row, and they've replaced him with Joby McEnough, which is a, a, good, a good appointment as he was a former player. And uh, his last game in charge was uh, 3-1 to Tranmere. And then the most recent one was Paul Lambert, if you remember him, formerly of Norwich and Villa and uh, of somehow inexplicably playing for Borussia Dortmund. Um, he was sacked as Ipswich Town, uh, basically because him and the chairman, Marcus Evans, who is a known banter merchant in of himself, uh, basically like cash. Yep. Uh, he's basically run the club into the ground and is happy to let it die. Uh, and in doing so, he sacked the manager because of a clash of personalities, which is uh, code for Paul Lambert wanting to choke him, slam him off a hell in a cell, I presume. Um, so he got he got sacked and quickly replaced by Paul Cook because Ipswich are apparently due an American takeover, which is very popular in League One lately, it seems. Uh, the point there goes to uh, Doncaster. So uh, there is actually minor developments because Fleetwood are still leading the way with three kills, but rapidly approaching them, are MK Dons, Wigan, Tranmere, and Morecambe, who uh, upgraded. So they, they've now got two kills for the season as well. So it's it's all hotting up in the literal sack race, lads. It's really it's really something. Um, so anyway, yes. Uh, in this podcast, I wanted to uh, do a cheeky deep dive into uh, the championship because the Premier League is more or less done, so there's no point talking about it anymore. Uh, so I want to let you know how the championship is going because I have been keeping an eye on it. And uh, it's rather interesting, funny enough. So you might be shocked to hear that Norwich is almost certainly going to be back in the Premier League next season. And they've pretty much done it by keeping the same squad that got them down. Just in, just in time for them to keep inflating their price for Emmy Bendia to us. Pretty much. Yeah. And to be fair, <laughs> he's kind of been their star player and perhaps one of the better players in the championship this year. Like He has, he has got them up. Like Buki has not been great. But they have been able to like um, they've had other players step up like Adam Ida's got goals now, uh, and their midfield's a lot more better. But Wendy has been like I think it's ten goals and ten assists. Like he's been on fucking fire. Um, but even then, the likes of like Max Aaron's and so forth, they're still doing bits for them as well, and they are comfortably ahead of everybody at this point. But then it's, it's a bit of a scrap then for second because you've got Brentford's who have um, who were very close last season and really bar a late capitulation, should have got promoted last year. Um, and they obviously lost a the playoff then to Fulham. They obviously cashed in on most of their strikers. So Watkins went to Villa, Ben Rama went to West Ham, and the other one left is in Buemo, uh, from the BMW setup. Uh, so he's still there. But they've replaced them quite well with Ivan Tony, who is probably on track for 30 goals this season in the championship. So he is fucking red hot. Um, and again, Brentford have this stupendous ability to just like make a player and cash in and that what supports the club. Now, I don't know if that's enough to get them promoted this season, but they are currently sitting second, but they're not on the best form in the world. Uh, your playoff situation looks now, Watford is third. Uh, that's Watford, Burkwa, that's the bad ones, okay? 
They're the ones that Elton John like, okay? I'm doing my research as you're talking. Excellent, that's great, that's good. They're going, they're going to be back to confuse the fuck out of you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and again, they have done... Just to fuck with me. So, again, Watford, as is always the case, are a very weird team in that they um, tried to do like a bit of a youth policy at the start of the season and then sacked the manager that was doing it. And then, like, the guy who's now in, Zisco Gomez, has decided, okay, fine, I'll play all of our best players then. And lo and behold, they're third in the championship now. It's funny how that works. So the likes of Ismaili Sarr are still there. Delefeu's gone, and so and I think Dini's like long term injured as well. So it's it's a bit of a weird team, but because they have so much experience, heads in it, they're obviously in contention. I don't know if they'll keep the pace, but we'll see. And Swansea are a very interesting team, though. Uh, they are currently uh, fourth, a point off second, and two games in hand. And they are a team of fetuses in compared to the rest of their competition. Like I think they are the youngest, one of the youngest teams in the league and uh again like they're not necessarily like like um as it were uh the most uh well-known team if that makes sense a lot of them are as youngsters that are just playing really really well and they have a manager in steve cooper who believes in them and what i will say about cooper is that he does get the best out of young players as we saw at brewster last season when he was with us and they're in fairly good stead like they've still got andre au on the books Connor Hurrahane is there doing like playing number 10 for them and he's doing really, really well. Um, and I think they're a bit of a cheeky, cheeky um, option for promotion. Yeah, Hurrahane is playing really well for them at the age of mm. 497. <laughs> Compared to the, the children he has to play around him, then yeah, like he is that old. <laughs> In all fairness, he could be playing alongside Methuselah and he would still be, oh, that he's up there with the whippersnappers, you know? Like, exactly, yeah, <laughs> in fairness. No, he's being backed up in central midfield by Vlad the Impaler. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. That's a fair assessment. And um, yes, yeah, so elsewhere in the in the playoffs, so there's a big chunk, big gap down then to the rest of the teams in contention. So Reading are currently fifth in the in the in the league, and that's kind of a by virtue of an unbeaten start of ten games. So they were like started the team the league in red hot form. Whatever was happening there, it just seemed to work. They do have a manager there who um, is kind of like the Marco Silva type of uh, manager who plays very open football, but was kind of an unknown in English football itself. So he kind of came in. Uh, with a very hot start and it's kind of been sussed out now a little bit the more he's been playing uh, again Redden don't have a very strong squad so I expect them to drop off quite badly in the run-in but uh, still though good efforts from them uh, and Bournemouth then are the last team in the playoffs right now and again they've had a bit of a rocky season themselves they tried to kind of keep the Eddie Howe system going with Jason Tindall and they decided no nah, fuck it it's not worth it and they currently have Jonathan Woodgate in as a, as a stopgap measure uh, and he'll they'll probably ditch him again as well until they get someone in who can take them uh, long term. But they're still in contention; like they're still a good squad. Um, again, obviously, for them. yeah. And Wilsh has been doing really well. Like he, I think he scored until, two goals yeah. in the first game <laughs> until he got sent off last month. Yes, there was a <laughs> in, in a brawl in a brawl, <laughs> like not not for just for a tackle in a fucking brawl. Yeah, with Wofford. Mm. Wofford um, and I wouldn't even mind but it's a brawl in the game that they wound up winning 1-0 yeah <laughs> but you weren't even joking when you said with Wofford because he was fighting practically the entire team so that that is very very consistent um, but yeah like so they're probably uh, in contention as well just because they have such a good squad uh, compared to everyone else 
And this is where it gets interesting now because there's two outside chances that have like that are currently the two best teams in the championship. Uh, the first of them is Barnsley, right? Now this is very unusual because statistically speaking, they are the best pressing team in Europe. They are they are officially topping the likes of Man City, Dortmund, obviously Liverpool. They are the best actual pressers in Europe, statistically speaking. If Barnsley and Burnley are in the same league, I'm fucked. Oh, you're fucked. No, no, there's no doubt about that. Um, and again, it, it's such a it's such a weird thing because oh, they were Wolves and Watford. Workbot <laughs> <laughs> saying now, you know, I, I'm going to switch my bit for like a bit about Kamogi. fun to watch. <laughs> Go sports ball. <laughs> Play the game more. <laughs> so, playing for that's who I'm gonna support. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but um, but yeah, Barnsley are Barnsley are a funny one because again, it's they're not blessed with a with a with a massive squad, but they're the team, the players that are there have really bought into the tactics and to the system they have. They had a guy in initially called Gerhard Schuber, who was a um, who was a, a kind of a Red Bull coach, if you know what I mean. He was between Salzburg and Leipzig, so he went to Barnsley, uh, and uh, eventually he got got signed by uh, New York Red Bulls, who he's their manager now. But in their place has been Valerian Ishmael, who was a formerly player for Crystal Palace, I think, and only recently retired. But he's been playing a, like again the same type of like ultra pressing, high intensity football, and in the Championship, that's a ballsy move because you've got so many games to play and you need the squad to do it. So again, they don't have the the um, the best squad as such, but they have a, a decent depth to say like, um, for example, in the last game, they took all front three of their four players off and put three new ones on and they won the game out of it, which is like an old, which is what the thing you can only do in football manager because it's a game. Like you don't do it in real life because you'd upset the balance, but it just works so well for them. Um, so like you have this team that are playing like ultra- pure arrest of uh, football. They are like working teams to the bone and getting results out of it. And then the team that's right behind them in the form table is Mick McCarthy's Cardiff City. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what the thing is? It's working stupidly well for them. (laughs) They are like, he, he, I think he went into, went into the team when they were 16th. And since then he hasn't been beaten. He's played 11 games and they're playing right now. And I think they're still unbeaten which is insane to think of because he's just got, he's basically just like said, right, see all this pretense about build-up play and like modern football. Fuck that. Hoof it to the long guy and run after it. And you know what? It's been working. It's actually been working for them. And again, they have a decent enough squad with a few experienced heads. They could very well sneak into the into the playoffs. I don't think they'll get promoted as such, but they'd be a, they'd be a tough customer, especially with Mick McCarthy because they're, he's the most experienced coach in there bar Neil Warnock and um, that is only if you yeah. actually count Neil Warnock as a coach yeah uh, no I don't uh, good no, to, no good on Barnsley like um, Valerian mm. Ismail is actually decent enough I mean anybody who can play on their fucking Felix Magath and get out sane yes. um, deserves every single fucking ounce of respect and should be bought point whenever he is encountered I agree. Uh, even if it's at like 10 o'clock in the morning in a fucking supermarket, get him a drink, find some way of doing it because like McGath is, McGath was a fucking, was a true lunatic. Yes. Um, he, he was just, 
he was clinically insane. It was him who had the the try to cure his captain's like yes. injured thigh with a block of cheese. That was Breda Hangeland, the Fulham, yeah. Yeah, it was Breda Hangeland, yeah, that he, he got, he, he'd injured his thigh and he got one of the kit men to drive down to Tesco and get a large block of cheese. Yeah, he dismissed the physio. The physio said he needs to go for a scan and he's going to be out for three weeks and McGath was another Hang on, well, we, we've completely confused. Hang on, wait, 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 wait. This is genuine. This is wait, wait. absolutely genuine. Like, what? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, right, here. <laughs> Right, the Fulham cat, the then Fulham captain was diagnosed with a slight thigh injury, and the club doctor, a man called Stephen Lewis, with more than a decade of working in elite tier sport, put together this recovery program to try and get him fit for the weekend because they needed him. They were in a fucking bind. My gat said, "I know better," so he sent the kit man to Tesco in New Malden, which is a short drive down the A3. Fuck knows where that is, to buy a large block <laughs> of cheese. Right to buy a large block of cheese. Hangeland was then told to perch on the edge of a massage table and spend the entire afternoon in that position with the slab of cheese carefully positioned on the sore spot. The, the, the cheese, according to Bagat, was said to have soothing effects. Um, <laughs> um, it was no surprise that uh, a few months later, Lewis, the doctor, left to go to Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's that's just a taster of what it was of Felix McGath. Mm. Um, fucking cheese board, if you will. <laughs> your, your man Valerian Ishmael has a, a story of uh, McGath was so incensed with the team after a draw, like they yeah. went away in because uh, it was at Bayern Munich. That's right. Yeah. So they were away. Um, and they drew, I don't, I don't know what team they drew against, but it was quite a, dif- a distance away. So when they got back to the Bayern Munich training ground, it was four in the morning. Mm. Um, and then he went, okay, now we go straight to the pitch and made them do a full training session at four in the morning. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, so- Are we saying, is that what we're saying about Valorant Ishmael? Is that this whole training system is based on PTSD? Yeah, like, he, that used could be to, it. he used to describe like Magat's pre-seasons as like a hellish boot camp. Those were his exact mm. words. A hellish boot camp. He said he, he, you didn't think you were playing football. He said you were preparing for war <laughs> with uh, blocks of cheese. Um, You're going to shoot that cheese. So in any case, that's where he's coming from. And anybody who got through that with their marbles somewhat intact is uh, is good, and it was entirely worth it just to watch Burkbox face. Yes, <laughs> while recounting that block of cheese thing, it looked like you were actually trying to compress your skull into your face. It was really weird. <laughs> I, I I like to think that Burkbox's gonna have like this kind of cheese fueled nightmare now, where like she's there on like the recovery table of her own ACL injury, and Doctor Felix <laughs> the Gap walks in. Chase down, down a hallway and, st- and uh, fucking the crutches. Cheddar's gonna get you. Cheddar, yeah, cheddar, 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 cheddar. <laughs> He's gonna get and you good at like, All I have to do, like, to heal my ACL is not eat the block of cheese. And I can't. Oh, do you it. failed. You've totally failed. Yeah, you've lost. <laughs> lost that. <laughs> Just there staring at your own knee, going, God, this is so tasty. Why am I feeling this way about my cheesy knees? <laughs> How's the knee recovery going? Ah, I need more crackers. <laughs> <laughs> it's spreading quite well, though, in fairness. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Is it okay if it turns blue? No. <laughs> no. Anyway, 
But yes, that's the that's kind of the championship at the moment. So there's a lot of like big hitters in the in mid table, like Borough, Stoke City. Segue into my card. Um, I was going to stop at the card at your cards in a sense because um, there's not many like um teams. Eh, there's a few teams that are a bit bantery at the minute, and um, so I was gonna stop just at that point because like Blackburn are kind of bottom bottom of the table. Forest Chris Hutton's not in the Forest. Having a shit season next uh, at the moment, which means they're bound to be promoted next year because that's what Chris Uden does. And um, Wayne Rooney's Derby County were doing good. Now they've lost their way again <laughs> and are like six points away from uh, from the drop zone. Uh, and Birmingham teetering, teetering on the edge, which we will talk about momentarily. Uh, but currently, Sheffield Wednesday uh, are looking like they're going down uh, because of their points. Uh, tally they've had like a minus 15 starting off this season so that'll do it to you uh, and it's not getting any better for Sheffield Wednesday unfortunately so they were probably going down but yeah that's that's currently where the championship's looking like right now it's a fairly good promotion race I'll be fair because you've got a good mix of like of teams that have been in the Premier League already and have kind of like got the souls of the damned in those in those squads but you've also got like good blue chip teams like Swansea and Barnsley that could make it and Brentford of course so and then you have the X factor that is Mick McCarthy at Cardiff. So, like, all football logic will say, like, you want a Swansea and Brentford to get promoted and go, like, yes, this is a victory for football. But you know in your hearts that Mick McCarthy will somehow contrive a 1-0 win at Wembley to knock Swansea and their, like, their fucking the squad. <laughs> yeah, and anyone will, will, will walk out with him and sail, and sail them away to the Premier League. That's what's <laughs> going to happen. And... Um, so yes. Uh, so Bertbot, um, before we do get into the cards, uh, how's been the WSL? Well, that funny enough links in with my card as well. Um, no, but the, the FAWSL is uh, heating up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. The top four, so the top uh, three get uh, Champions League places. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite tight. Uh, Arsenal have a couple of games in hand because of postponements, um, but form-wise, are not doing well enough to maybe challenge for top four it is going to be our or for top three yeah and um, united who were sitting up there pretty have had some very iffy performances in the last few weeks mainly losing 2-0 to reading in what was mm-hmm. one of the most entertaining games of football um there was just like manchester united have some key players who are absolutely unbelievable like Kristen Press and Tobin Heath. Tobin Heath wasn't available for that match. Um, of course, yeah. And they kind of replaced her with um, uh, on the you know visuals where you have like the team, the player profile and the like you know the picture of the player. Yeah. She's an academy player, and I don't can't even remember what her name was. Like it was you know just a silhouette of a player uh, <laughs> with her name down at the bottom. They didn't even have a photograph of this poor girl. So they are being hit like a little bit with injuries, and that is affecting their form. Mm. But really strangely enough for a Casey Stoney team, they've been really shaky at the back. Um, uh, like a couple of dodgy calls for Mary Earps jumping for balls that she shouldn't have and even the like nets emptying and things like that have kind of let them um, slip down the table a bit. So it's now going to be a battle between Arsenal and Manchester United now for the last Champions League places. Chelsea have it mopped up. I can't see anyone catching them. And Man City, who I had ruled out because they were playing awful football and they were as incoherent a team as you could put, like find. It was like a team full of Williams 
um, they were just awful to watch. And then all of a sudden they kind of remembered that they're really good at football. Mm. And Chloe Kelly, who has been the signing of the season, I think, like forget, like Sam Lewis has been a very good signing. Um, but Chloe Kelly being a signing from Everton, yeah. um, like she, I don't know, I think when people saw the signing from Man City, they were kind of like, is she going to get the game time with Rose Lavelle and you know coming into the squad? Like that's a bit of a weird one. Like okay, she's one for the future maybe, but no, she's got like nine assists this season, a couple of goals as well to add to that tally. And uh, Man City have just been running riot. They've been scoring. Their latest game against Birmingham was four nil, um, and that was a handy. That was at a canter. So. Mm. Um, Caroline Weir has really kicked it on for there. I think the best description is that Caroline Weir has gone full Jurassic Park, <laughs> rolling back the years to eat, to eat everybody alive. I was like, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, then, uh, Lauren Hemp come back into the squad yeah. as well. It's made a big difference. And her and Caroline Weir have this like unbelievable kind of combination down there. Yeah. Isn't Weir, Weir's going to be up for the push gas? Oh yeah, that man United. Oh, yeah, oh, like that's fucking... witchcraft. Born her, <laughs> born her at the stake. She's a fucking witch. Yeah. <laughs> that that and the not county goal. Those both of them are like somehow paranormal. Like that has to be the case. Um, like, she she um, has like a, a like a penchant for scoring against United, which is kind of like. Like she scored like a screamer when uh, the two Manchester teams played at the Etihad. Mm. Um, absolute like rocket. It was like one of the first games of the season, and it one goal of the season like just wasn't top. But yeah, that's yeah. another contender. Although, although our own Katie McCabe has mm. a very yeah. decent contender. She's currently up for goal of the month on the Arsenal website. No, absolutely. Um, what I what I love about Katie is that like she's really kicking it on and scoring goals, racking it up like kicking ass basically. And mm-hmm. whenever I watch like the Ars blog, the live match streams, they say KT with regards to Kieran Tierney. They never refer to him as Kieran or Tierney. It's always KT. And every I just get so confused every time because like the fuck is she doing? Oh yeah, yeah no, no, it's Tierney. It's Tierney. It's Tierney. In fairness, <laughs> if there's anyone that's ever going to transition from women's to men's, it's going to be Katie. She would be the bollocks out of half the fucking men's teams. Like, yeah, absolutely. She would fucking. You can imagine she would like put one on fucking like Andy Robertson, or like you know, or, or square up, off. square up the fucking Hamza Chowdhury. It's like you're fucking, yeah. fucking steady. You absolutely <laughs> fucking just destroy him. Kind of like what that Mascherano tackle on Oxlade Chamberlain that put Mel free year. Yeah, I mean, she, she's got full fucking talent on him, and yeah, exactly. like, you wouldn't see Chowdhury again. I will say Arsenal are playing Birmingham City, and her other half is playing for Birmingham City, Bruce Livingston. <laughs> and um, <laughs> she, um, it, there's already been the bants on Instagram. So Katie McCabe has a picture of her going, "Can't wait for Birmingham," and uh, Rusha replied with. Um, yeah, I've packed my bags and then it's like loads of emojis of like murder weapons. Grace <laughs> <laughs> Maloney then joins in like, now girls. <laughs> you imagine there's going to be like a real kind of like tongue-in-cheek commentary if one of them puts on a massive sliding tackle over the other like just someone yeets in from five yards. I, I, like, I know within the women's game there are a lot of couples but I, I, as far as I know a lot of the couples play for the same team. Um, yes. <laughs> um, 
But no, they um ladies. <laughs> we would have gotten trouble for making a joke like that. I just want to point out, by the way, just carry on, Rose. carry on. No, we wouldn't have gotten trouble if we'd gone like professional with this kind of podcast setup and actually had the siren noise for that one. It's like, oh, they all play for the same team. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Lesbian pollen. Um, but interestingly, so it's been quite tight up at the top in terms of uh, running for the Champions League. But down at the bottom of the table, uh, Bristol, um, who are just kind of perennially down at the bottom of the table, um, yeah. they're very heavily reliant on Sophie Bagley, who, you know, with an average goal conceded of like seven per game or something, yeah, still, one of, still has one of the highest shot stopped percentages, which just shows <laughs> you the amount of pressure she is under in every game. And oh, I remember points. watching the Chelsea game, and she made this unbelievable save. Like I, I don't understand. Like she was on one side of the goal, the ball like it was from harder was chipped to the other side with like such speed. I was like, well, that's in. And somehow she managed to claw it out only for her own defender to try and hook it clear and just shoot it into the back of the net. And I was like, <laughs> that's not what you need, Sophie Bagley. I'm sorry. But um, no, they have actually been granted a bit of a kind of a stay of execution, I think, because West Ham have been absolutely Awful. I was about to say that. Like, I couldn't believe seeing them second last. Like, I haven't told, I haven't looked at WSL since before, um, since I, just slightly after Christmas, because obviously with the break and all that. I can't believe how far they've fallen. And it's not yeah, no, somebody start. cracked a joke there, Dion. It's like, have, have West Ham started fielding just the actual porn stars? <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> I was say, you should, you should let Leanne Kiernan know. She can get a fucking transfer request then. Exactly. <laughs> She's right in there. But yeah, no, they're, they've just been playing really, really terrible football. But they um they changed their manager. So Matt Beard was their manager, like you know, Matt Beard, Liverpool, you know, manager, like you know, the years of, I think they won it, I think he won it with them. Mm. Um no, we we won him, we won the league with Neil Redfern. Oh, sorry, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, Matt Matt Beard, he's got a good pedigree in the league anyway, and yeah, but he just was like the, the the players and the play and the types of play that they were doing, like their tactics were just absolutely awful and just so they sacked him, and um, Bristol then, Tanya Ox to be down in Bristol, was gone on maternity leave, and uh, Beard has gone down there. And since they're trying, like, since then they've picked up, like, six points and are now chasing down West Ham, because there is only one relegation um, yeah. spot. So if they can catch West Ham... Didn't, they get, didn't they get in that, uh, that New Zealander, West Ham, uh, harder, Ollie harder? Yes. Yes. Hey, uh, not, not, not much. I haven't seen much to be, you know, shouting about. Like, <laughs> there's a, br- there's a, there's a brilliant quote on the Athletic. Um, they did an article on him that I, I read when they hired him, and he's like, "Oh, Ollie Harder, the manager who will help West Ham shoot for the moon." I was like, "It's a bit of an odd opening," and apparently, one of his motivational speeches is that like it takes 109 hours to fly to the moon, and goes, "We do that every week." So every single week, we're shooting for the moon. <laughs> and then literally like the fifth comment on the article is, sounds like a plank. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's what I was going to say, he also have three envelopes of players he's going to lend down over the season. <laughs> and there, there was, speaking of quotes from him, he was asked about like, oh, what went wrong in, in the match today? And he basically went to this really wordy 
way of like um it was like players did not reach their potential and attacking uh, you know our attacking players did not fulfill their requirements it was like just this big wordy way and then like it's just gonna be easily summarized with we, we were shit yeah middle management wanker that every company has to have just because like it's legally required to have one yeah, wanker in it, it, it does it very much seems like west ham just saw chelsea signing pernell harder thought the two were related mm. went well people with the surname harder tend to be good with women's football how we get this guy? Yeah, I think it's more basic than that. I think it's because he saw his surname was harder, and with West Ham being like the the, the porn owners going, like, ah, that's funny, that's our him, and they just left it at that. But um, I, I will tie this into my cod then, if you if hmm. you will let me. Um, there okay. is um, Birmingham City, um, <sighs> were due to play, um, and obviously the women's were due to play Aston Villa in what was going to be the first ever top flight women's second city derby mm-hmm. and five minutes before kickoff the match was cancelled because the pitch was unplayable and um, five minutes like this is a case of like the, the club were told yeah no no the, the ground is fine it so in the uh, days after this i think i mentioned it on the last podcast that that yeah. had, had occurred but i have since learned that um they were given the option of using saint george's park which is the um like England training ground, yeah. yeah. And they all they had to do was pay a five hundred like fee. Five hundred pound fee. Five hundred pounds. Okay. For for a huge football club, five hundred pounds just to use the pitch. And they refused. It was a point of principle that I said, no, our pitch we can get it working. Um and five minutes before it kick off they couldn't <laughs> we can get it working it's still good no it's not it's on the water late lads and <laughs> um, that had me look into like well what is going on at birmingham like do they hate the women that much because i do know that there's been other things going on during the season with them that has kind of like they really do not care about their women's team so maybe they're being preoccupied by other things and yes yes they are and um, financially <laughs> They are ruined, so maybe five hundred pounds is actually unfeasible. Um, like I do feel like the players could all chip in a tenner, and maybe they could put together five hundred on the day, but whatever. Um, mm. but yeah, no, they are doing really bad in the champion in the championship. And they're like, I have, I, I, I don't follow the championship, but having looked up and seeing just kind of like snippets of their play. It's like, yeah, yeah, I thought they were League One, to be fair. I was surprised to hear they were in the championship. Yeah. Um, and they're definitely playing like League One, being relegated to League Two team. Um, but yeah, no, they are just a shambles. So I was kind of thinking about putting them as my cod, just looking at their financial situation and their owners being absolute cunts. And mm. um, I'm kind of just happy to let the club die. Like, like the, was it to which you were saying? It, it was Wigan actually last season. Wigan, it was the yeah. exact same employee. And again, Chinese owners, it's the same, it's the same system. They it's what they've been doing. And in a very sad state of affairs, like it's it's almost a case of the horses kind of bolted for the English FA because they've realized uh, when Chinese football was at its height, oh yeah, let's bring all this Chinese investment in. Uh, let's have them all like take over these all these uh, West Midlands clubs because they want to invest in the West Midlands. And then some of them are like Wolves and they have a plan. And some of them were like West Brom who are kind of like iffy, you know, so long as you do as you're told. 
And then some of them are like Wigan and fucking Birmingham and are just happy to just milk the club for all of its worth and then sell them off at a massive discount. And it's really yeah. quite sad. Yeah, because Birmingham would have always been like a team that were, you know, top flight, you know, maybe not challenging for the top or whatever, but mm. I did look like one of their last major trophy they won was that 2-1 win over Arsenal. Yeah, of course it was. Everybody's most recent win was a 2-1 win over fucking Arsenal. <laughs> well, I guess you remember watching that and being sickened because mm. it was just totally against Bruno Pay and they just hit it up to that big, tall fuck, Nikolai, Nikola... Zigic. Yeah. Zigic, yeah, he was six foot eight, I remember him. Nikola Zigic, yeah. Like, lanky fuck, all they had to do was mark the lanky fuck. No, they couldn't do that. Anyway... I uh, looked into it a little bit more and the use of St. George's Park has been approved to be Birmingham City's new home ground in the event that the pitch is unplayable as it has been quite regularly this season. Hmm. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, like that's at least they've learned from their mistake and they've kind of changed this. Mm. They never told Carla Ward, the manager of Birmingham City Women. <laughs> Oh, he was Lord. let out of the email chain. Brilliant. The, ch- the change of venue for the home team. So she Brilliant. had all of her preparation set up for the match to be in their home ground. And then the night before, the Friday night before the Saturday match, she was told, actually, it's in St. George's Park. You're going to have to go down. That's, um, that takes actual talent to fuck that up. It really fucking does. So... Uh, and I know I've mentioned the whole Birmingham City women's team before that at the start of the season, they had 10 players. Mm. Uh, and Harriet Scott, Irish player Harriet Scott, was made captain. And they didn't have any pictures of her to use in the promo site because it was such a rushed rush decision. So, like, in the media days coming up to the start of the, like the FAWSL, they go in for their pictures. They didn't have a proper kit or a captain to send forward for the media day. So I'm fairly sure it was just because Harriet Scott was near the ground and happened to be off work that day. Like, yeah. are, you know, are you around to go? And that's it. So, and, like, I actually to rate her as a very, very good player. And like, she does seem to have very good captain material. But she is also working full-time as a doctor. Um, so that is you know, quite a challenge if you're playing full-time professional and full-time doctor. Um, yeah. You know, and in a pandemic, you're gonna, you know, I feel like her, her interests are conflicted. Um, and then last week, it emerges that the Birmingham City players, of which there are very few in that squad because they've only been able to recuperate a handful of players, um, went to a house party with a load of the Leicester ladies and the Leicester under 23 men's team, which resulted in 10 players. This number 10 keeps coming up being fined and banned from any non-essential club activities for a couple of days. I think it might have been 10 days. Um, but this is Carla Ward, who is a... When they brought her in, it seemed like, oh, they're really invested. She seems to be an up-and-coming manager. She was managing Sheffield United women who were on a fantastic role in the championship. Mm. Um, she really seems to know her stuff. She has a small squad to work at. They seem to be getting a couple of players in. And then the players have fucked it all up and then the club have kind of just gone downhill. And Birmingham City in that match against 
Manchester City. Manchester City have been fantastic and they've been on a great run of form. But Birmingham City just kind of, it was like they had left their tactics back in Birmingham and had forgotten, yeah. you know, like they just were like, oh, like it was just such a change of like location that it just put them all off. But um, yeah, um, the uh, Birmingham City, I had something else. There was also something else that they did during the week. Um, Born down. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I know from the I know from the men's side, men's point of view, that there's a lot of them. There's a lot of the um, championship pundits who believe that uh, that Birmingham will go down this season, and it's strictly because uh, basically just they, the team is a League One side in reality. Um, Jude Bellingham, who obviously famously went to Borussia Dortmund, yeah, who was their starlet. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that they are trying to um, like they're they're basically trying to get more money out of the Jude Bellingham sale that they've already made like they're trying to like big him up that he should be worth more so that they can get more into his contract so that they can actually survive as a club and it's like yeah. no you sold him get over it yeah but, like, like they've got to make a 17 million out of him which is a fucking it is a lot of money for what is a 17 year old like like for a lot of transfers like that you have to go to a tribunal like again i know this because we 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 were talking to fulham over a tribunal about harvey elliott and harvey elliott could um again famous last words here but he could stand to be one of the best players in the world in five or six years time he is that talented and he's shown that in blackburn in a very bang average team but here's the thing we only we worked we worked out of a fee of 4.5 million that's a lot for an eight, for an eighteen year old. That's huge. The market price doesn't go up until they start going professional. And Bellingham wasn't at that point, so to get that fee for a team from Dortmund, who obviously saw something in him, because bear in mind the tactic for like a lot of German clubs is to get these players when nobody is looking. Look at what Munich are doing with uh, with Musiala. They've literally they've literally taken an Englishman and made him a German. Like they have literally done that successfully, and they want to do that more with the likes of Sancho and uh, Omar Richards. Now they've signed for free from Reading, so like this is a plan, this is a strategy, and the fact that like they are going to Dortmund and going, can we have more money? And they go, no, we paid you a lot more than we should have. We could have like bullied you, we could have punched you in the mud and took your wallet and then signed Jude Bellingham, and you want more money can fuck off like you're done you're like that's that's you as a as a club summarize if you're begging for more money from the team that have nearly saved you from fucking bankruptcy as it is you know it's insane and, yeah, and they are like the money obviously is an issue and yeah um, but uh, like not being able to fork over 500 pounds to play in a pitch um so that the televised second city derby Mm. On a prime TV night as well, wasn't it was going. It was wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. There was no mm. other football on that night. There was no men's football for it to compete with the audience, so it was a chance for people to actually see the game. And yeah, yeah. they done fucked it. They did. They really, really did. Um, and yeah, like again, like just like burning a city overall. At least, it, it, in a very weird way, at least it's not a club that's just neglecting their women's side, like they're like say Liverpool, for example. And um, this is just a team that's just, this is just a club overall dying a very slow death in football. I, Liverpool were very close to being my gods for their women's team. Mm. And I don't blame you, in fairness. It's it's such but a weird situation. Is still training in isolation. And mm. three players have handed in transfer requests, which were denied in January. Yes. And um, Furnace, Furnace is one of them. I think 
I think the three players that were dropped over the weekend were those three players. It was Furness, Lolly, and Babajibe, who are perhaps are on paper our three best players. And curiously enough, actually, we t- the, play- the team played very well against the Bees. I was watching some of it, and again, I I, I can't say that we were playing very good football, but we were just, we were just trying really hard, and yeah. it helped as well that um, oh I can't remember her name now offhand, but um, I think no, it wasn't Lolly. I can picture her i can't play her fahi that's her name so fahi was um was obviously captain at it and she was just so scrappy and just playing everything everyone off the pitch in that sense and it was aussie girl uh, holland seri holland and she scored uh, uh her first goal for the club and again like i, I kind of a shrewd signing because obviously australian international and um, that's kind of where i've been getting a lot of our signings lately i've noticed yeah. from the aussie leagues like yourselves um and yeah it, it's it's a kind of weird situation where like Somebody needs to take control of the club. Like it's it it is a joint venture between Liverpool and Tranmere, and neither team seem to give a shit about it. And it's at that point where, like, okay, obviously women's football is not exactly in the greatest stead right now. But when this pandemic is over, this is a great opportunity to uh, stamp some form of approval in it and get these get this team up uh, competing with the rest, like Chelsea and Man City. Because let's face it, those regardless of what you think of those two clubs and Arsenal of course those are the three teams that actually care about women's football like legitimately care they're putting effort into it because they know it's a competition they can win and for Liverpool with all the big talk about European Super Leagues and uh, fucking money ball systems and all this shit for the men's team that philosophy has to widen to everything else if that's what if that's the way you want to do it if you want to play this big fucking like sports ball system you want to do it works for everything. It works for men's, women's, and underage. Everything, like you have to treat yeah. it like respect with, for each side. So yeah, I I would have I would have done the same myself personally because to let go of Vicky Jepson was a very strange decision in and of itself because she's been a club servant for 10, 15 years. Like she has yeah. been at a club in various different roles for that long, and um, and I think she's even still in the club. I think she's like she just has a different job in Liverpool, and. Um, so she's not actually even affiliated with the women's squad now. But the thing is that to not even have an idea of who you want afterwards, you know, because it was it's her number two currently looking after they, the team. They haven't even, they only, like, this happened in January. They've only this week put up an advertisement for people. Mm. Like, that, that screams that they had no plan. Oh, yeah. Or their yep. plan fell through almost immediately and they've tried to just kind of cover that up. But it's it weird is. because yeah, it's it's so strange because like Chris Kirkland has been a probably the main advocate for the women's team in the club. But obviously there's, there's bigger like ambassadors like Robbie Fowler and Ian Rush who obviously gonna like pop in and say, Oh, how's it going? But Chris Kirkland has been adamantly fighting for the women's team. And the reason he does that is because he's often their goalkeeper coach and I think he even stepped in to be their manager once uh, a couple of seasons ago. Um, and again, like he, he's very well favoured in Liverpool because he works with him as an ambassador. But actively, he's the only really person that gives a shit about the women's team in the club. And uh, I think that's really a knock-on from the F, from the ownership of FSG because they see the remit as strictly the Liverpool men's team, which is obviously the wrong way to do it. You own the club, the whole app, everything LF, Liverpool FC. That includes the women's team. You know, mm-hmm. like that's yours as well. You can do something with that. And so for American owners to kind of uh, not give a shit about women's football is extremely hypocritical. I I feel like it is such a small investment, like percentage of money to go into women's game. Like that, I don't understand why people don't do it. Like it's very easy to make Mm. a very good women's team. Yeah, they make a couple of, they they do make a loss, 
um, because there's not enough kind of tickets, but there's not like, you know, you know, they, they will say ticket sales, but like, yeah. I've got a season ticket for Arsenal. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to a match, but that, that season ticket costs the same as going to two matches for mm. the men's. Yep. Um, and I can get to all of their matches plus some Conti Cup matches and a uh, Champions League match if we were to be in the Champions League. But like, yeah, there's an easy way to make money there and it's such an easy way to have trophies in the cabinet. Um, mm. Yeah, I just, I don't understand why clubs don't do it. Just good old fashioned sex in Burke, I'm afraid. I know, I know. Um, so, um, Neil, oh, that, deep dive, that deep dive leads from one kind of failing club into my deep dive, which is potentially another failing club, which is Inter Milan. Oh, yes, they are on fire. Yes, they are actually technically on fire, but in both the negative and the positive way. <laughs> um, it's very much a kind of good news, bad news thing with Inter Milan. Um, mm. Good news is their team is on fire, quite literally. Uh, Larturo Martinez and Romelu Lukaku are scoring goals like it ain't no thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're top of their league and are fucking outright favourites, even though they're only one point ahead of AC Milan. Although winning the league with AC Milan as second place is actually how Inter would want it. They yeah. would want they are like their that, rivals. Yeah. They wouldn't want their rivals 10 points down or 10 places down. They would want them right under their fucking heels. <laughs> um, which is something I get uh, so yeah on the surface everything's going good what's wrong well quite a fucking bit uh, there's this thing called money and they don't got none of it alright okay in fact they owe quite a fucking lot of it um, their recent um, account publishing indicates that they are 413 million euros in debt um, they still, yes, four thirteen. That's four followed by a one, followed by a three, followed by six zeros. <laughs> At least, yeah, they are uh, they are leaking cash like it's going out of fashion. And the funny thing here is as well, they still owe money to Manchester United for Lukaku. They still owe money to Spurs for Ericsson. Um. Now, the Ericsson deal is not that big a deal. They only owe Spurs, I think, in and around 10 to 15 million euros for Ericsson. Mm. Uh, but they are paying Ericsson seven and a half million quid uh, <laughs> a year. Oh, by the way, he, no, that, because these are Italian figures, then so he's taking home seven and a half million. Oh, yes. Yeah. Italian. F- some weird reason so when you hear like Ramsey's going to Juve for 220 grand a week you're thinking oh, well that's not a whole lot more than what Arsenal were giving up I was like no 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 no. he was taking yeah. home yeah 220 grand like he was going every single week his bank account was going up by 220 grand yeah, yeah. so here's a curious thing they're missing payments which is very, very bad, particularly mm-hmm. with the Lukaku deal. doesn't really affect them too much with the Ericsson deal. They don't owe Spurs that much money. 
but they're 43 million quid behind on the Lukaku deal, which by the way is over half because they've only bought him for 80. It's 80, yeah. It's like but, there was a, but there was a clause in that deal. There was a clause in that deal that if they missed any of the payments for Lukaku because Inter stretched out the payments for the transfer so long, United put in um, purently for United, who we yeah. consider the frivolous, <laughs> idiotic businessmen. They put in a clause that if Inter missed any payment, they would be liable for the entire amount up front right there and then. And guess what? They've missed one. Ooh. So now they... So now they upfront now have to pay United forty three fucking million quid. Oh yeah. Uh, they don't have two coppers to rub together. Uh, so United are heavily pressuring them. It might have something to do with the fact that they have a player called Joe uh, called Laturo Martinez. That mm. United are like, you know what? I think we could work something out. <laughs> so they are literally licking their chops and rubbing their hands. Um. Inter are in debt to everybody, but with United, like the debt is in the form of a gun to their fucking temple. Yeah. <laughs> like I still can't get over how you know United can sell like players for that much as well. Yeah. Well, I always rated Lukaku as a player. Yeah. I always rated Lukaku as a player. I thought he was very yeah. good. Yeah. No, and I don't, I don't. I'm not trying to take away from the. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like we gave them Ramsey for, or we gave Juventus Ramsey for free. Why? Like <laughs> reminding us, reminding me how bad we are. At yeah, the they sold off Lukaku, a player they repeatedly called a donkey for eighty million. Anyways, so you may think, well, hang on, they're owned by a bunch of Chinese billionaires called Suning. Why aren't they helping out? Like, if you've got mm. billions in the bank. 80 million is fucking pocket change. You could lose that down the back of the couch and not care. Well, unfortunately, Sooning have gone out of business. Sooning <laughs> have hit some serious money issues to the point where Sooning also own the current Chinese Premier League winners. Jiangsu, yes. Yeah, who have now had to cease operations. The club they now effectively... They've just stopped midway through a season, by the way. They've, they've yeah. just stopped. They've just gone. stopped. The middle yeah. of the league they have just stopped. Now, they aren't the only ones. There's actually three clubs in the Chinese league that have just stopped. Yeah. <laughs> um, including, what was it, the Jiangjing Tigers, the, the, the clubs that bought uh, Axel Weitzel and the Pato, the Duck. Oh, uh, that was, uh, I want to say Tiajin Teida, but I could be wrong yeah. with that. Yeah. So that could be wrong. But in any case, the clubs that bought both Weitzel and Pato, They've had to cease operations, and there's I think their derby rivals are also up fucking a certain creek without a certain paddle. Yeah. So yeah, Inter are proper fucked. They are heavily fucked, absolutely fucked. Um, they they owe Real quite a lot of money for Ashram Hakimi, which they sold uh, for forty million quid to them because Arsenal wouldn't pay forty million quid for this player. Now, as it turns out, Arsenal might get him for quite a lot less than that, so I'm happy about this. <laughs> I will put in here, by the way, Neil, and confirm that it was Jiangsu uh, Suzing who are gone and it's also Tianjin Tigers who are also gone. Tianjin Tigers, yes, absolutely. So, yeah, so um, Inter might be bankrupt. Inter might fucking... Comp- 
completely go up in fucking smoke. They might, the go, up, they might go up in smoke on the same season that they win the fucking Syria. Like it is like legitimately possible that they could go, they could win the Syria A, but then also like get relegated to like the bottom rung of Italian football. Yeah, it would be. They would go down to Serie D. I looked Serie this up. D, yeah, they would go down and to Serie D. <laughs> they would go down to Serie D with like top league winners medals around their neck. Yeah. And then all of them have to be sold off for pittance because like no one's going to be paying fucking exorbitant fees for these people. They'd all have been sold off for nothing. It's so bizarre. And again, a lot of people, it seems like we're kind of bashing Chinese ownership at the moment, but like, let's, it's been a bad week for you lads, to be honest. Like, Oh, absolutely. And I wouldn't even mind, but like that team is fucking performing. Like Niccolo Borelli, Niccolo Borella, sorry. Borella, yes, yeah. Holy Christ. Like, we talk about one midfield, like one player midfield. Holy shit. Like he genuinely legit looks like he could do the job of three players. He's I would really good. like him in my midfield. He was I, I would oh, man. Oh, we'll have a look God. at him. Have a look at him Liverpool. Like, Just trying yeah, to go there. I mean, like, if, no offense, if I were you, I would be sending a lot of people at Liverpool some emails going. I have tried that. years, Neil, and they don't respond. They really, really Come don't. Come on. Like, you know, I mean, like, Capello, Capello, Fabio Capello has said that like, he's literally the best, one of the best midfielders he's ever seen. Mm. Um, the defence isn't leaking. As I said before, Martinez and Lukaku just cannot stop scoring. They're just killing yeah. it. They're absolutely fucking killing it. I don't watch a whole lot of Italian football, but I've actually, I, it tends to be on like late at night and uh, with the dog keeping me awake, um, <laughs> of it uh, tend to be on and, yeah, they play in super football. Like, it is really nice to watch. Because I don't know whether it's just kind of a the stereotypical thing of, like, Italian football is real boring and defensive. But, like, they like yeah, they're kind of solid at the back, I, I suppose. But, like, it's mm. all going through that midfield. Like, it's really nice passing, really yeah. nice move. And, like, stuff that I, like, you know, perhaps naively didn't expect from them. But they've been really good to watch. No, up it's, until up until yeah. their transfer splurge. Now, be aware that since 2016, uh, net spend for Inter has been 325 billion. Uh, so yeah, they have they've they've forked out the cash for this talent, but yeah. it's really worked for them. It's really fucking worked for them. Um, but yeah, like they have been a complete disaster at times. I mean, like uh, they stacked Mancini in the preseason before he'd ever kicked the ball for them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and he's now Italian, Italian coach and I remember there was a bit of a standoff between Inter and him for releasing his players for duty and I think that's been yeah. settled now but there, it was touchy for a long time I but also like Inter have like a raft of like youth players that everybody wanted they got Joe Mario they bought him for like 30 million 40 million yeah oh they signed uh, that Brazilian Barbosa's Brazilian. I only remember yeah, his Barbosa, name because yeah. it's the Gabriel same as, it's the same name as the main villain out of Pirates of the Caribbean. Sensi is another one as well. Nicholas Sensi is another one that they that they signed as well. It's actually been a bit of an arms they, race like, for like most of those teams to get those young players. It's like they bought up all this incredible talent and thought, oh well, you know, our huge holding company. Uh, which sells literally everything in, mm. in China, will just bail us out. And now it's like they've tanked, um, yeah. not realizing Sooning operate in China, which is a country where if the government tell you invest in football, you do. And when yes. the government tell you 
stop investing in football. You stop. (laughs) 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 Otherwise, they could have said around a lot of people in military fatigue who are going to incarcerate you for a very long fucking time until you shut your mouth. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, like, I am am just watching Italian football and Italian football politics now with a lot more. Mm -hmm. Like, prior to all of this kicking off, my following tab on The Athletic was literally just like Arsenal, women, Premier League, women's football, Republic of Ireland, you know, that, that's it. And now it's like Inter, AC, Juve, Italian football, <laughs> Syria. It's loads of Italian football because this is going to go up. I'm like, we know what a shit show, what a fucking clown card that Barcelona is. And my God, we'll link into that. Yes. But my God, Inter might just go bust. And Inter are like, like I, I grew up with Inter as yeah. like their club. Like fuck, it was Inter AC. There's the, like these dueling giants in this foreign land killing each other. And we're like, holy shit, this is fucking incredible. This is what football is. This is the essence of football. And it's just, it's fucking garbage. And uh, I'm kind of like dismayed. And you know, you have the kind of thing where like something really bad is happening, but you know, your team might benefit from it. Yeah, mm. you know, I was like, they had they had at least two players on their books that we were going in for, and they just came in with like ridiculous offers that we were like, right, this is clearly like, you know, you might as well offer come in with a bag of magic beans. Yes, um, like, <laughs> we're not matching this shit, and now that they're gonna go under, we're gonna come in. All right then. Now for actual money in the real world, here's what <laughs> we think. <laughs> Here's what we're actually going to give you for yeah. fifteen. This is our only offer. You have to yeah, take it. Exactly. Unless I'm, unless you're hoping that I will trip over a fucking beanstalk on the way out of this office. <laughs> my money is what counts here. Okay. Yes. Exactly. So that's my deep dive. But that's my shallow deep dive mm. into what is going to be a fucking catastrophe. It's, 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 again, it's a, it's a very cautionary tale for a lot of these big clubs because I don't know, if, again, it, it's perhaps a very good topic of conversation for a later podcast, how much the pandemic is killing these kind of mega clubs. But like, it's a combination of the incompetence. And in, in all fairness, with, with Inter and with Barcelona, I genuinely think that the pandemic just sped up something that was going to happen. I would, this is the point yeah, I was about I, to make. If it was just yeah. the pandemic causing all of this, I actually wouldn't pay this any notice. Yeah. But I genuinely think, like, this is a time bomb. Like, you look at these numbers, they're unsustainable. I I don't care. You could get 190,000 people into your fucking stadium every fucking week. These numbers are not sustainable. This is fairy tale shit. I'm like, who's your accountant? Fucking Dr. Seuss? (laughs) (laughs) No, you're absolutely right with that. Because, again, uh, like, and Premier League clubs would probably be thinking that we can take advantage of this. It's like, no, no, you have to listen this could happen to you. Like you, your all your finances are dependent on a massive TV deal. I've been calling for Premier League clubs to pillage the fucking Italian clubs for fucking ages. Yeah, I've been saying that on this podcast for years. <laughs> the Italian clubs are ripe for picking. They're a carcass in the desert with fucking vultures circling. Get in. Yeah, exactly. And again, and this is a very cautionary tale because you know who else are owned by a Chinese company that might just duck out of football? AC Milan. <sighs> So it's it can happen, and like you and again, like Juve are not exactly in the the heights of summer either. So as you said, like it could be it could be the case where like like in Spanish football, where like all the like the giant the the titans have just all fell into the dust, and then suddenly it's just Atletico Madrid and three other teams. 
Like Italian football could very well be like, and now we're into the tenth year where Bologna has won the Serie A again because all the other teams now no longer exist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Football it's just, them, it's just them playing it's their own B team. Like, <laughs> like the e-football. That's like like the e-Formula One that like yes. my dad became obsessed with during the lockdown. Um, <laughs> Let's play for the teams that used to exist. That's gonna overtake like actual football. Yeah. Italian football overall is just going to go into massive denial and just pretend to just play fever for the rest of their time. That's, that's just the way it's going to go. Um, so, Neil, um, actually, I will take this time then to uh, serve up my cods, um, if that's quite all right. And the way we're going to be doing it. Um, so I have been I have been desperate to go have a go referees for the last while. Um, the last... I have not noticed this trend. No. After literally uh, been the online equivalent of somebody going, hold me back, hold me back, hold me back. Oh man, it's, it's, it's so it's so the way of kind of trying to rationalize. She mailed earrings to us. <laughs> All these three, I have, I have. It's they're called Bobcats. You should watch our videos. But um, but here's the thing: like it's uh, I've been trying to like as weird as it sounds, kind of take a more kind of symp- sympathetic view to the referees here. And I'm nominating the PGMOL as my CODs because I was trying to think like, uh, you know, rational part of the brain kicking in at this point going, why are referees making so many calamity, calamitous mistakes? Why is there, why is it the case where like practically every time there is a VAR incident, they always seem to get it wrong or they misinterpret the law or they do something that doesn't make sense. And again, I, I, I'll ask you this question because I looked this up today and I was kind of surprised by the results, right? So the way the referee system works in England is that you have like grade one, grade two and, and other kind of like sundry grades for the football league, right? So if you're like grade three or grade two, you'd be qualified to, uh, to referee in the championship and the, and the lower leagues. And the way the PGML works is that if you're grade one, you're premier league status, you're professional, professional referees, who are highly trained, highly qualified, know the laws at the back of your hands. So I'll ask you this question. How many referees do you think in England are grade one? Just ballpark figure, how many do you think are there? How many do you think are panelled each match day for the, for the Premier League? Two. Two. I'm going to say 12. Okay, you, you've actually on the ball there. I, I was, I was high, expecting higher numbers. There's only 19. There's 19 referees that are grade one. And now granted, they had expanded that in recent, uh, for the last two seasons. So now they have more uh, than they would have uh, would have previously. But the reason they've done that is because like, uh, when you do kind of boil that down, there's only actually referee enough referees for six games at a time because you have a referee obviously on field, you have a fourth official and you have a VAR official. And there's only four people in grade two that are qualified to be VAR. So in essence, you only have enough then to do uh, seven matches all in one go which means that they have to draft in extra refs whenever they have to do big match days like this and the reason I'm kind of saying this is because when I was doing the mats like this right so when you have a truncated season like this and you have players like as we had last week where you're getting three match days in two weeks essentially and that's grand for like okay if you're tracking one team and they're playing three games in one week that's fair enough but bear in mind these referees are also on a rotation themselves whereas they could be bar official one week, fourth next, and then on field after that. So in one week, 
you could have one referee, let's just say David Coote, for example, right? He was on field referee for this match here between Everton and West Brom. Again, purely spitballing. Four days later, he has to go to Sheffield and ref- and be a fourth official there, stand out and watch his bollocks shrink in the cold as he like holds up a fucking placard that he doesn't even have to touch anymore. He just has to listen to the coaches shout at him for, for 90 minutes, right? So that's his job. And then the next assignment for him in that week is to book it down to London to be in the fucking VAR studio and then like thumb the rules of VAR and decide whether that is a handball or is that not a handball or what is a handball? Do you know what even is handball? Philosophically, what does handball even mean anymore? You know, so this, this that's, that's a week of a referee. And I'm thinking like, fuck me, if I'm a referee and this is my like 15th week of this shit, like, like this was just a normal week now in, in, in terms of things. I didn't even mention Christmas. I didn't mention like FA Cup and League Cup. Four of those referees in that grade one are like UEFA referees as well. So some of them have to fuck off to like to the Champions League and some of them have to do international duty as well. Who are the four English referees that are UEFA standard? Is Clattenburg uh, still a fucking referee? No, Clattenburg's retired. Mike Dean is one. Uh, he is international duty. So he like does international matches as Mike well. Mike Dean I think. is a UEFA fucking referee. I had I had this written down, unfortunately, and I will have to get it back for you. But yeah, Mike Dean is one of them. He's like internationally qualified, basically. Um, so he's oh, one. Hell. And uh, ooh, I think Paul Tierney is one as well. I could be wrong with that. I think so. I'm not too. I'm not too sure. Um, I'm getting his. I'm getting his name mixed up with uh, with someone I was thinking of. Referee, when, when your name is known as a referee, you know you're not a good referee. And the fact that I know the two names that you just said there shows you that they cannot be good. Okay, no, there, there's my answer, right? So, um, there's actually a lot more. Okay, so nine referees are FIFA officials as well. So, you've got um, David Coote, Paul Tierney, Kavanagh, Mad, uh, Bobby uh, Madley, Atwell, Banks, Parson, Taylor, and Oliver. Um, and where are the other ones? Uh, Michael Oliver. Uh, Michael Oliver, yeah. Fuck man, he's garbage. They are, yeah, so again. So this is the this is what I wanted to talk about was because when you look at that group, right? I think what's happening really is that uh, and I don't think it's any secret by now, I think England do have the worst group of referees in European football. But then again, think- like Wenger Wenger was always saying that. Wenger yeah. was always saying that. He was like, look at, look at international games. Look at the World Cup. Look at the Euros. How many English referees do you see there? He's like, and, none. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and he's and absolutely he literally just that. He just literally just yeah. say that. He's like, you know, it's like, like everybody always gave Wenger a stick for like, oh, I didn't see it and all that bollocks. But then mm. he turned around and he's made a point. He made a point. He's like, well, how many English referees go to international tournaments? Mm. Like, none of them. Yeah. None. He's like none. The last, the last in and around with his statement, in and around that time he made that statement, there had been none. Yeah, and, and people he, and were just like, you know, yeah. I'm underpresented, but like fact, they cannot refute by a man who's vastly more intelligent. They are, they just in, imploded and just started calling him a frog. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was their only defense. Yeah, and, and what really annoys me about it as well is that. The, a lot of the British press kind of are kind of in denial about it as well because even they don't really have a good scale for judging a good referee. And that kind of really explains to me the whole issue with PGO, MOL and the way they have their system set up. Like you're driving these referees into the ground, which is obviously a bad thing given you have such a truncated season. You should have, you should have a bigger pool of referees even just for this season alone. 
But even then, the fact that like these these are the grade one referees. These are your, the best in the country, according to you. And I don't know if you've seen David Coots, but my goodness, that is a that is not a qualified referee. Um, Paul Tierney, uh, obviously, he may, he may be qualified, but he's not any good. No, that, that's the thing. So, yeah, this is the point I want to get across. Just because they're qualified does not mean automatically they're good referees, right? So, I think what I'm going, going forward, the right with, route, I was like, oh, just because they're internationals doesn't mean they're good footballers. Oh, I really yeah. want to nominate them again just for that stupid just because they're qualified doesn't mean they're good referees. Just shut up, Red Dap. Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> fucking trap red now. Go back to your fucking panel show. No, but go back but to your wife who fucking hates you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was harsh. Um <laughs> I'm just gonna knock on the window for you from Harry Redknapp pulling up in his car going, Oh shit, right? We have we have officially went too far on the podcast. That is terrible. <laughs> He's got his dog in the backseat that we're really in trouble. <laughs> it's a dog no it's his accountant yeah, it's his dog is the financial muscle exactly <laughs> but the but the, but this is the thing like so again these the, if these are the people that, that count as grade one I'd hate to see grade two or three like what yeah. the fuck is happening in league one these the are the guys <laughs> you know yeah like again same with the women's game but but I think <laughs> it's the women's game where the referees start off every game with go sports ball <laughs> <laughs> Just there, one of them, like, there's one male referee going, Oh, these women are playing football. That's nice. That's cute. What am I doing later on today? <laughs> you know, that's that's the way they go. But, I wonder um, if any of these girls are on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I couldn't get over that. I think what really kind of set me over the edge was there was three things this week that set me over the edge. The Josh Meyer one was was very recent, obviously. That's in my mind. The Calvert-Lewin thing I mentioned before. But the other one actually came in the Arsenal-Man City game. And I kicked off about this to you guys earlier uh, in the week. And we didn't um, care. You didn't care. It was when <laughs> Rob, it was when Rob Holding. Um, so it was, it was between Cancelo and Rob Holding. And there's a bit of a scuffle. And basically Rob Holding took a bash to the head with, from a knee with Joe Cancelo, right? And he was down on the ground, very clearly, like, it's a head injury, stop play. You've been actually told to stop play, regardless of the circumstance, because it's a head injury, time is of the essence, right? Play is allowed to go on, right? To which point Cancelo makes a run into the box and has a shot on goal and should have scored, right? Should have made it 2-0 at that point, while Rob Holding is still down, potentially with a head injury. You've let play go on, right? If Joe Cancelo had scored from that, right, VAR could have intervened because it's it's a blind spot between the concussion referee and VAR. VAR can't do anything about that because it's not been written in yet, unbelievably. And I just couldn't understand the the level of common sense in the referee to just go, hang on, he's down, hold play, and just at I least think, think about the player welfare. I think what while you're kind of getting with common sense, I think somebody, I think it was on the left field podcast or something like that. They brought this up. They brought it up rather jokingly. And then when they brought it up, it was kind of one of those things where they cracked a joke about something and then later realized that they may have actually got the answer right. Yeah. To their horror <laughs> is that the referees are deliberately applying no common sense because, oh, sorry, the referees are making decisions that are devoid of common sense because yes. the rules don't have any common sense. So as a protest, the rules don't have any common sense. They're not applying decisions with any common sense. 
and and you know what? I would I would I would believe that as well. Like they are really being like shafted by like so like poorly implemented. So they're like we're getting fucked by the rules. We have to apply the rules. You've given us all this technology to apply rules. So that's what we're going to do. Do you, think do you think that the referees are becoming more lax in their decisions and coming, becoming more laissez-faire with their decisions because there is always that chance it's going to be overruled by VAR anyway? So that they're... I think for the on-field ref, definitely, because the fact that like VAR is overruling them more... Yeah, well, there was, the, there was that incident at uh, Manchester United. Now, don't get me wrong, like, uh, far be it for me to believe a single word uh, that comes out of Luke Shaw's mouth... Um, like Luke Shaw is mm. one of those people where if he told me, if he said to me "Good morning," I'd uh, I'd I'd run outside and check. <laughs> um, so when he when he commented that the ref didn't give a penalty for Manchester United because there'd be a lot of talk about it afterwards, and that's what he claimed the ref actually said to Maguire, mm. who unbelievably he refers to as H. I was like. Sorry, what? His name is Harry or Maguire. Like, or Slaphead. Don't, don't call him H. H makes him sound like a fucking boy band member. Um, so. <laughs> big Lun and Judy fans, apparently, in Man, in Man United. <laughs> oh, man. Wouldn't that be hilarious? Every time you went up to him, you'd go five, six, seven, eight. You'd go mental. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Shaw said that he says like the ref said to Maguire that like he didn't give the penalty because if he gave the penalty there'd be a lot of talk about it afterwards and again like loath as be is to me to believe anything any Manchester United player says let alone Shaw I actually believe that's kind of true I believe he's telling the truth I believe the referee did turn around to him and go I didn't give that because it was contentious I don't think VAR was going to bail me out if I fucked it up mm. so that's uh, why I didn't that's give it. I do think that like a lot of decisions um when they're against certain players or they're for certain players are dictated by what is going to be the media storm afterwards. Like, mm. okay, that's kind of a very, very broad statement. But like that is, I do think that that flashes, especially into someone like Mike Dean's mind. When there's yes. a decision to be made, he's not just looking at that guy, Xhaka's got his calf stabbed. He's going, mm, a lot of people don't like Xhaka. I don't think that's going to matter. Okay, move on. Let's go. Exactly. Like, you find that, like, Zaha tends to get, like, quite a lot of free kicks and penalties up until when people start pointing out that Zaha hits the ground an awful lot. Now, don't get me yeah. wrong. Zaha loves a dive. Um, but when people start pointing out that Zaha loves a dive, he stops getting all these free kicks. He stops getting all these penalties. And a lot of the times he's getting cleared out, you know, which lead, does lead to some circumstances where people are, like, going through the... Like the only way he gets a free kick if somebody goes through the back of his ankles. Yeah, you know, and, and <laughs> it was the greatest like, problem as well for a long uproar, time. The uproar that if Harry Kane is given a, a booking for diving, yeah, the uproar that that would cause from all the England fans. Well, see, the thing is, is that like I don't think it really matters with Harry Kane because he's England captain. Yeah. I think it, you get the Shearer law come in there where Shearer was getting away with absolute fucking hatchet jobs of tackles because he was yeah. England captain. So I think yeah. that's that's where I think Kane is in that kind of like rare rare atmosphere, rare layer cake style atmosphere where he's he's right at the top and he doesn't even know what a referee's decision looks like. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so. I, I I kind of see your point there, and like a lot of it as well is that uh, 
from that aspect where the referees do seem to be under that kind of more scrutiny because of the VAR and because of that fear of being contradicted, like the PGML just do not protect the referees at all. Like I think the, uh, they, they kind of see their role so as like being... That, I, I, was, I, I was coming in, I would agree and, and disagree. Funnily, I agree with you in that they give, them, they give the referees their own little bubble that yes. they operate in, but that bubble's not protecting them anymore. No. But the fact that they operate in a bubble is what's actually people, players are like, they're just making decisions willy-nilly knowing they don't have to answer them. Like, you know, um, if, if I don't make 45 sprints in a fucking match, I've got people criticising my fucking work rate. Whereas if they send a player off for being in the way of another person pulling their foot back, nothing gets said to them. Mm. You know? Um, so I, you know, Nordy doesn't watch football, but he does watch rugby. And the... You know, what oh, was the England team one with uh, the Welsh, the, the Wales team, the England Welsh yeah. match, is it? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, the, the ref was not good in that, but you could hear like the logic in the conversation. That, like, and even just if there was, um, so I had gone from watching the Arsenal match to watching the rugby to watching some more football, and it was like Nordy just kind of commented, like, oh, like. Wait, 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 wait. He was in the house while an Arsenal game was going oh, on. Not again. The later one, but there was a oh, bar. We've and... warned you about this. <laughs> We've warned him about this as well. Make sure he's going for a walk like at 12 30 tomorrow, yeah? Because those yeah. guys are walks. Yeah. Just, just not long enough. <laughs> the, dog, the dog is sick of walking. Like, I've never seen a dog not want to go for a walk, but this dog is like, oh, here, she's watching football again. That means I'm going out for a walk. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'll just walk myself if that's why I see you yeah, in 90 minutes, lads. Yeah. Good luck. I come back, you'll be happy. But like, no, the difference between there was a decision in the rugby to be made. It was uh, in the Ireland rugby match. Uh, your man had gone in, I call him Hench Hosier. I don't know how Hosier, I don't know what his actual name is. Um, uh, he's one of the new newer lads into the squad. Anyway, he'd scored a try, but it was contentious because had his foot, had his foot gone out of play. Yeah in the lead up to it and uh, there was a decision and the referee it was got onto the match TMO the T- uh, TV match official and said okay I think it's a clean like try I think it's fine can you check if there's any reason for it to be um, brought back and so that was clear what the TMO was checking for and mm. it was like communicated both to the players and to the people at home watching and it would have also been displayed up on the you know stadium for if there was fans there to see. And even having that bit of communication with fire would make the thing less of an issue. Because yeah. if you knew that there was a stop, like what is infuriating is that you're getting fucking gobshites who are doing commentary. Like I love Martin Keown, but some of his hot takes are like Oh, I fucking bad. hate Keown at times. I really um, dislike Keown. But like, he, like some of like his takes while there was a VAR decision, like it's just him. Like they're trying to fill the air, and it's like some. Yeah. If you've got Brian Kerr in there, you're gonna get great content. If you've got <laughs> Martin Keown or, oh, uh, was it Fletch and BT Sport? I don't know who. Like, what is actual name? Darren yeah. Fletcher's name, yeah. Like, like you could watch Paint Try to be more entertaining to listen to his commentary. Um. But like they have no banter between them, and there's no. But there, it's them trying to fill the void of what they don't know is going on with the virus. 
and they're coming up with their hypothesis or their like ideas of what it could be. And you actually don't know if that's what's being checked by VAR. Um, yeah. And it's, if there was a communication thing or a style where the referees can talk to the players, it makes the referees more, I, I think it makes them more human because you can see their logic. Yeah. Obviously, I was annoyed that like Ireland's try was going to be chopped off because right, his foot did go into touch. So yeah, should have been ruled off. But it was like, okay, you can see the logic of him checking that. That needs to be checked. Whereas if you've got like um, two and a half minutes later, the play is stopped because the referee has gotten something into his ear and is talking to someone in his ear. The players can't hear. The people at home can't hear what's going on. Now all of a sudden there's some sort of communication, like, you know, going to the TV screen to check yeah. something. And everyone's going, oh my God, what is this? That, that's just a bad way of doing it from both a match management point of view and an entertainment point of view. Totally, yeah. Absolutely. And I think even even if they did it like NFL style, whereas with the NFL, like the refs don't talk to the fucking players that much um, ever really. But every decision, the play is stopped and the ref actually goes onto the Tannoy system around the yeah. fucking stadium and goes fell on the defense and names the player this is what's mm. really weird about it and names the player like fell holding defense number 34 five yard penalty we'll replay that down or you know five yard yard penalty automatic first down and that's it and it's just it it the play just goes on because everybody knows what's going on now you may not know funnily enough the the call may be wrong and coaches can challenge it but the problem is we all know what's happening. We all know why we're doing this. We all know why it's all continuing. Yeah. So I think maybe I think maybe doing it closer to rugby rather than the NFL style, because it works for a stop start. Um, although to be honest with you, fucking Premier League football is so stop start now anyway. Fuck it. Yeah, that, that's the that's the other so problem. Mad. Like I think I think the reason they don't do that kind of communication is because like it would just show how out of depth these people are. And you don't yeah. want to put even more fucking like I think, I think I, I think the PGMOL know their referees and know yeah. that these are at least the last fucking group of people on planet Earth you would mic up. Yeah, I would totally agree yeah. with that. Because yeah. could you imagine the thought process of them it, like looking at the Pickford, the even the Merseyside Derby, Pickford with Van I mean, how, how many times? How many times during a match can you listen to Mike Dean going, "Ha ha, it's my time to shine." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, After the exactly. 70th time, it would start to grate on you. Yes, exactly. Um, so, Neil, to wrap up this pod, um, bring us back to the magical land of Barcelona for your cod. My cod is going to be a very, very quick one because... Um, no, Inter was my deep dive. Yes. They're not a cod, they're just poorly won. My cod is very Arsenal-centric, even though it's Juan Laporta, who is a former Barcelona, Barcelona uh, lawyer turn, and he's now an incumbent he's now running for the presidency of he Barcelona will be president, yeah. Uh, yeah he's widely the favourite to be picked as the new Barcelona president and guess what look at the old boss same as the new boss he is tapping up Mikel Arteta um, oh. yes they are pulling out the bark of DNA on our fucking manager oh yeah Oh, oh yeah, right. they're going Mikel full Sesk. They're going full Hector Bellerin. Didn't he? Yeah, they're going full Sesk. They're going full Barcelona 
on Arteta. Yep. Gerard Romeo, speaking on Catalan Radio, RAC1, claimed that Juan Laporta has penciled in Mikel Arteta. And it was openly stated that Mikel Arteta is to beat Ronald Coleman's successor this summer. <laughs> Wait, it's fucking like, summer. Like, the Coleman's still there, by the way. He's still... Going summer. <laughs> I mean, like, what the fuck? What the absolute fuck? I've never seen Barca propaganda be pushed that hard before. Like that is surreal. That is fucking like revisionism on a high scale. Who would want to be? Who would want to be manager of this fucking train wreck when Messi's fucked off? Yeah, I mean, Arsblog put it brilliantly. It's like somebody's offering you a bite of a very delicious burger after they've just dropped it some dog shit. It's like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's fucking awful. And uh, Arsblog, by the way, have gone all out on this in particular with Andrew Allen, who, funnily enough, Andrew Allen sounds really calm and composed. He's a typical, really nice English gentleman on podcasts. But apparently, like, the stories you hear out of him and all of what he writes, he's a complete fucking lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> so back in 2009, Andrew Allen once described Juan Laporta as a smarmy, big-mouthed spiv, an all-round twat wrench, and a complete another <laughs> moron. Wow, that is a fantastic insult. Yeah, he then, a few months later, described him as a huge, enormous, disrespectful, tedious, mega, hyper, global, super, elephantine cunt, and a fucking hapless, brain-dead imbecile. Um, It was then pointed out that, funnily enough, there is not one but two blogs on the Ars blog site uh, titled, but the title of Juan Laporta should shut his big few... Big stupid fat mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is in particular in the fucking aftermath of Bartomeu and a bunch of fucking Barca former and current CEOs and high-ranking members getting fucking arrested for Barsky, um, where they hired a third-party marketing company to produce disparaging social media accounts on current and former players and people who they deemed to be in the competition for them. Um, and just for good here, just for proper Barca measure, right? Not only not only did they hire a company to smear their opponents, right? Both current players, some of them current players, right? Not only did they do that, but they paid them six times the market value for their services. They were paying them one million quid a year, but they were paying them one million quid a year in 198 thousand euro increments because going over two hundred thousand would require board approval. Oh they cheated the fucking tender Oh my <laughs> lord. It's, they're not even hiding what they're doing. Where does like we're into fucking like this is Alan Partridge territory. <laughs> this is beyond fucking parody. It's beyond parody. Really? I would love to see like a Netflix esque crime documentary, you know, like this true crime. Yeah, oh, I would love to see a Netflix deep dive into this, and it, was, it yeah. would just be basically a bunch of people going, "They're crooks." And then people watching this and be like, "That's not real. This is so fake. This is so exaggerated. This can't be real." And I'm like, "Oh, real life is worse than bad drama." 
that's what it is. Uh, it feels like that in football sometimes. Like, it's just so preposterous in industry. It's like, for me as a wrestling fan, I'm looking at that going, right, I have, like, one, one of my other hobbies is football, and I love watching it, but everyone involved in it seems to be completely incompetent and dangerous. And then I have wrestling, where I really enjoy all the action, but half of them are sex pests. So which which one do I, can, do I have to get rid of both? Like, <laughs> they're both terrible at the minute. Like, we're being attacked by a man who managed to keep a straight face when he talked of regret about the amount of damage that had been done to the club's reputation (laughs) by him. (laughs) Um, This is a man who managed to convert a $79.6 million, sorry, 79.6 million euro loss into an 11.1 million euro profit on their books and then stepped down. (laughs) I was like... He's like John Delaney's hero. Fuck yeah. me. This is he is literally the Spanish John Delaney. Yeah. He's Juan Delaney. <laughs> Juan Delaney. <laughs> Delaney. Oh Cut my mic off after that. I'm cutting my mic off. Yeah, after I think that. we're done with that. I think we're we, we, you you forfe- you forfeited your card, Neil. I'm that's, sorry. That's my card. That's my card. Juan Delaney. Juan Delaney. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. And also, like, and he said he's set to be the next Barcelona manager, a uh, Barcelona yeah. president. He's set to be it. He's he he's going to get it. He's going to get the job because that's the world we live in. We live in the stupidest timeline. Can you imagine if he sacks Ronald Coleman fully in the belief that Mikel Arteta is going to say yes to the Barcelona job, and he is left with going like, "Well, he said no for the seventh time. <laughs> Will we try him again?" <laughs> well, he's always, uh, eight, eight's always my lucky. He's like Grandpa Simpson at the roulette table. Put it all on forty-two. I got a feeling about that number. <laughs> Sir, the table only goes up to 36. Put it all on 36. I got a feeling about that, though. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so our cards to choose from is Burkbot's uh, Birmingham City and the PGO for myself, or Juan Delaney, as we've now rechristened him for Neil. Um, uh, I will go with the PGO <laughs> because they're fucking gimps. Yes. Okay, you go for PJ Mail as well. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Because I was going to go for Birmingham. Um, their basket case, and I think <gasps> I... nobody wanted to vote for Juan Delaney. <laughs> well, to be fair, it seems like plenty of people are voting for John Del- Juan Delaney at the moment. <laughs> yeah. so... <laughs> a, a quite a dishearteningly large amount of people. I've said it once, lads, and I've said it again. Democracy just, just doesn't, doesn't work. <laughs> so, so yes the PGML error cards this week and so guys thank you very much again for uh, listening to what has been a deluxe deluxe version of the uh, football podcast we just decided to just talk shit for three hours basically it seems at this point so um, hopefully you've enjoyed that and I think the whole thing well done well done well, I'm obviously we're not splicing in the bits where you were huffing crystal meth no we did put, we are putting the ether parts out yes yeah. Ether breaks, yeah, no, we have them for them, definitely. Um, but yes, um, at, the, at the point that we stop recording, Burkbots is going to go gone. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm really excited. I'll be watching One Division now, so like, yeah. Well, you watch the first five oh, minutes of finale. Of it. It's the finale right now, isn't it? Yeah. So that is the only thing keeping me going. Unfortunately, it hasn't been our riveting conversation. Well, thanks, Burtbot, for your contributions either way. Fuck you, anyway. Okay, bye! Uh, so, <laughs> Burtbot will no longer be on the football podcast from now on. She'll be replaced by a non-unionized Mexican equivalent. But, um, for now... <laughs> I'm glad I said that. Yes. Uh, 
Diddling. But um, nevertheless, lads, thank you very much for listening again to the football podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with more of the same. Uh, so if you have enjoyed any of the stuff that you've uh, heard tonight, uh, feel free to follow us on Spotify for more of the same. We have all of our episodes on our Monday Madness feed there. And if you want to see more of us in total, uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Monday Madness LP, where we play tons of video games. Neil has his own video game review series. And Art of Rally was last week's game and Big Pharma is up next. So uh, if you want to check out those reviews, do so. And if so, if you want to watch us play games, we have plenty for you there as well. But for now, lads, we'll leave you here uh, because all of that was liquid football. Woo!